You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your host, Trisha, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We talk about our journeys, the doubts, the fears, the hardships, how we get through it all so that we can claim our joy, our worth, our value, and enoughness because it isn't out there somewhere. We got to claim it for ourselves every day. In today's episode, I'm so freaking excited because I finally have on my dear, 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 dear friend, Tristan Prettyman. She's somebody who like, when I spend time with her, I do not want it to end. I just have the most fun, most connection. Love her so much. We get deep, of course, in this episode, talking about her journey with music, with relationships, with realizing when she needed to say, you know what, this marriage isn't working in the amazing work her and her ex-husband Bill have done in creating amazing partnerships for themselves and their family. So much good stuff. Let's get into it. I really have no idea what I'm going to ask you about. Well, shit. I constantly, I've not constantly, but several times have been like, oh, so TP. Oh, okay. So TP, I'm talking to TP this week. What am I going to ask? Where am I going to go? And I would just like, I think I'm just going to have to leave it to the moment. Okay. But it is interesting because we've been friends for a long time. Are we and, diving right in right now? Yeah. I just, I already started recording. Oh, oh. here we are. <laughs> we have <laughs> friends for a long time. And I do know a good amount about you. You know all my secrets. I don't know if I know all your secrets. You know a lot of them. But it's interesting. So uh, in being like a good friend with someone and yeah, I mean, there's different people I've interviewed with good friends. But yeah, I'm just like, all right, we're going to see where this goes. But you just said something and I was like, oh, yeah, I want to ask her about that. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, let's just go to right away. I <laughs> was trying to check the microphones before we hit record. And I'm like, what's wrong? It's not working. And then I realized my headphones uh, were not plugged in. So um, that was why it wasn't working and I couldn't hear them. <laughs> and we laughed about that. But you talked about, yeah, that's happened to me on stage where you... I Sometimes there's no signal because you got to plug in. But that you're like, oh, yeah, I would be up on stage giving this big, like, here's the intro oh! to the song. Let me oh, get yeah. the lead into the story and then go... Here's the song and then go to play the chord. And, my, and I just hear my sound engineer in my ears. Plug in your guitar, TP. And I'm like... You're like ready to jam. Can out. I cuss on this podcast? Yeah. Oh hell yeah! Ready to strum the guitar. N nothing comes out. My guitar isn't working. The guitar is not working. It's broken. Oh no! You need to just put the cable in the guitar. <laughs> so how did you deal with those moments on stage then? Of well, being like, that's why I was laughing about you with the headphones because that's kind of life in a nutshell. We like prepare for these moments, or we think we're in control, and we're not ever. No. Sometimes we feel like we are, but that's like a very fleeting moment, I feel like. Well, at least for me. Yeah. Surrendering. Is you know, and being a mom, you cannot plan anything. You cannot try to have control of anything. Yeah. I often say the mothers, especially on the playground, of like, yeah, motherhood. It's the like continuous practice of letting go. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah. Like all this. And then the kids are like, can I have meltdowns or no, this or like, I just prepared for this amazing day and no, but nobody wants to do that now of all your favorite things. Yeah, it's going to be a no brainer. I've set up the most magical day for you. And they're like, I just want to stay at home. 
<laughs> I think I said to Kylo the other day, like, we're going to go to the farm and we're going to have like popcorn. And he's like, I just want to play at home. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. So, yeah. What, wait, what was the thing that you said? The like. No signal if you don't plug in. There's no signal if you don't plug in. What did you feel like was the bigger meaning in that? I haven't gotten there yet. Oh. Um, but there is a, it sounds good. Yeah. It sounds My like we're onto something. My mind went to like, we have to keep connecting back to ourselves and like what's real and what we can control maybe, which is we can't control a lot of what's happening outside of ourselves, but like, oh, I can be calm about the fact, whoop, I forgot to plug my guitar in or, yes. well, fuck, that happened. But okay, more of like, this is what's happening. So how am I going to move forward then? Instead of being like, what the fuck is happening? You just ruined my show. My life's over. Everybody's going to hate me. I look like an idiot now. Yeah. So I think that's something I've gotten real comfortable with over the years playing music because I did get picked on as a kid and I did get, and I had an older brother and, and somehow I've managed to turn that into like, I feel like when you're when you grow up that way, either getting picked on or any anyone who's like a little bit sensitive uh, or has experienced bullying, like you either you either like let that become your weakness or you turn that into your strength. And I feel like over the years, especially playing music, like everyone has an opinion. You're not going to please everybody. You're you're, you're going to mess up. And if you are tied to like everything being perfect all the time and going your way. You're going to be bummed out a lot. So that's been a real big practice for me is like just being like, yep, accidentally farted in yoga class. <laughs> like, whatever. I'm human. I don't know that I've ever done that before, but I've definitely been next to somebody that has. And I'm like, and I'm always like, well, whatever. You're human. You farted in yoga class. Like, oh, Ferg didn't plug my guitar in. Like, oh, I just did a podcast two weeks ago. Played Say Anything Live. Fucked it up twice. And I was just like, Oh, whatever. That's the beauty of live. Like, so I feel like I've, I'm not, I don't want to say that I've mastered it or I'm good at it in any way, but I've definitely become better at like, oh, someone leaves like a mean comment, like, fuck, they must be having a bad day. Like that has nothing to do with me. And also I make mistakes and like, that's, if you don't plug in, you don't get a signal. If you don't take the chances and just live in the moment and live and take that risk right there's no signal you can't live in a bubble like if you don't try you're never gonna know and the process of going for something or doing something or you know having a goal or whether it's becoming a musician or an artist or or a blogger or influencer or whatever like you're gonna mess up nobody just gets to being good straight out the gate like well, yeah. it's kind of like our friend says, it's good to be a beginner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the beginner attitude, it does. It takes a lot of pressure off of yes. ourselves. And it's also like you were talking about goals, you know, being a musician, being this. I was even thinking like people that are just like, I want to make new friends. Yeah. So there'll be people like I need I'm, you know, a mom or I moved to a new area or this. I feel like I need people with my interests. Like, I feel like I know so many female adults that really want to make new friends. But what keeps them from making more friends is the fear of not being liked or whatever. So not yes. so because it's like, OK, well, then start talking to strangers, start showing up at different places, start opening up communication. Got to get uncomfortable. Whether it's you're going to work to being a musician, a podcaster or whatever a new it is. Job, a mom, even a parent. Starting a, a knob or just, yeah, like I want to make new friends. Like yeah. you have to put yourself out there and it's going to be uncomfortable. And there's going to be like, OK, that was person wasn't for me or that's not the way I want to do things or that's not the right 
path. But yeah, if you don't put yourself out there, then it's not going to happen. Would you agree that 10, like nine times out of 10, the thing that you fear happening, like doesn't even ever happen? Totally. That's one of the things I talk about in my Be Your Andreologist program. It's like, take your, like, so what is your fear? Like, sometimes often it's like we have a fear, but then it's like, we're afraid of the fear, so we won't go there. But I'm like, instead, like, what if you just actually looked at your fear and like, was like what is the absolute worst case scenario? Yeah. What is the worst case scenario? Label that. Think about it. Write it down. Like, it's really, it's like, you'll still probably survive. But right. like the chances that of that happening are slim. And then also like, so go ahead. Like having a fear takes more work than going through the fear. So much more energy. It's like so much heavy, so much this. You're feeling stuck. You're usually not able to have full potential for joy. Like really like enjoy your life because you're like being suffocated by this fear. I'm just going to stay here because it's comfortable. Whether it's a bad relationship, a bad yes. job, a bad friendship. Yes. Because this is what I know. So It's going to be uncomfortable to meet new people. It's going to be uncomfortable to put myself out there for new jobs. It's going to be uncomfortable to do this. So I'll just stay here. Where I feel mediocrely okay <laughs> or me- safe at the most. Yeah. What they think is safe. Yeah. But they're really being suffocated by this fear. Totally. You start taking those steps towards the fear. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but it's also like, wow, like all of a sudden this new things start opening up for you, new realizations about yourself, what you want. Like, it's more work to have the fear. I agree. What's, I agree. Do you have a current fear? <laughs> Just kidding. I'm like, well, no. I mean, I a lot of things are going through we my mind. I'm thinking, fears. like, I mean, well, I wrote, I, I've, I've been writing, you know, lately, and new songs and whatnot, and like, my fear is always like, what if I write a shitty song? And then I'm like, oh, well, what's the worst? I don't know. You write a shitty song, and then what? I don't know. No one likes it. Like, and then what? I don't know. You go get a coffee and you go surfing, and it's fine. <laughs> like, Kylo still likes you. Who cares? Like, your friends aren't going to defriend you because you wrote like a bad. And what is a bad song, even? Like, you can't even. I don't know. And then it's just like, okay, just write the song because sometimes you got to write a bunch of bad songs to get to the good song, to get it out of the system, like clear the pipes kind of thing. Like, and you have to just trust that it's part of the process. Yeah. Have you had to deal with like that practice? Because I know in other friends of ours and various songwriters, like I know the struggle very much of like, you love making music, you love writing music, you not necessarily you, but these people yeah. love making music, love writing music. But then at the same time, there can be so much pressure All on the record labels, like writing. the worst sometimes if you let it, you know, I don't know, some musicians are machines and they just write and write. They're like fearless, you know, and they don't, they just churn out stuff. But yeah, when you're, I mean, I wasn't ever trying to be a musician from the beginning, so it's a very personal thing for me. So yeah, when you have a record label and seven strangers saying like, this is sucks, go back to the drawing board, you're like, fuck, that felt really intense. But then I guess I always kind of thought like, well, like you don't get set up for anything you can't, I don't know. I've always, there's like a, a saying, or maybe we call bullshit on it later. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I'll add that to my, I'll call um, <laughs> um, of like, it was. Like you can't handle anything or oh, something. Like the universe doesn't present to you anything that you can't handle. So when you get presented with something and think like, oh my God, how am I going to even do this? What And writing, a, going back and writing seven more songs is like not a big deal compared to the lots of other. I don't mean this for like gnarly life events, like, but like in this case of songwriting, I've remembered okay like the universe is like i'm not i'm not going to be given anything i can't handle so maybe this is all part of the process of like i needed well that happened to me actually i wrote an album 
that I wasn't stoked about because I felt a lot of pressure from the record label. And then I got vocal polyps and I went to go see like a medium. Well, you might know her, um, Alexis, um, who does like theta healing. And she was like, oh, you have basically manifested your vocal polyps to get out of releasing this record that you are not in alignment that you don't even like to buy you some time. And I, at the time I was just like, Whoa, this is real out there. But I kind of was like, fuck, maybe I did. Like, what if I did? Like, what if on a higher level or something or some other level, yeah, I manifested these vocal polyps because I had to physically have something to stop me from releasing this group of songs that was not in alignment. And through that process, I wrote say anything. Um, and then I ended up writing cedar and gold. So yeah. In the end, did that album end up getting released? No. None of those songs ever. None of them. So what would have been my third album? And then to get stopped and go back to the drawing board, have vocal surgery, get delayed another two, three years to write Cedar and Gold, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. So let's talk about the beginning. You said you never, what did you like, never wanted to be a musician? Well, I never like grew up thinking like, I want to be a singer songwriter when I grow up. Like, well, I grew up singing Mariah Carey in a hairbrush in my room. Right. I loved music. But I wanted to work in the surf industry as a kid, you know, in my What does that look like, work in the surf industry? Like, be a, like, sponsored surfer? Oh, or, no, like, work more... for a surf company? I didn't like, I did compete for a little bit, but I didn't like that because I just really love surfing for the fun of it. And the competition felt like a lot of pressure and just too much anxiety around something I loved. Um, so I really wanted to work with like a surf, like somebody who worked for like a clothing company. I was interning at the time for this guy that was the clothing rep for Volcom. So how old were you then? I was probably like 19, 20. Okay. And I wanted to work in the surf industry. I thought like, oh, I'll just be like a clothing rep and I'll work for Volcom. They were like my favorite clothing company at the time. And um, and that was right around the time that I started like being able to actually play guitar and it sounded semi-listenable so how long had you had a guitar why did you have a guitar i had a guitar uh my dad had a guitar in the house in the other room and i always saw it in there and i really loved Nani defranco my brother gave me Nani defranco tape when i was like 15 and he gave me this tape and at that time i was listening to like a lot of janet jackson and paula abdul and real poppy music yeah and my brother gives me this Ani DeFranco tape and she's like, I know, talking about all sorts of things I'd not never heard anybody talk about. And it just kind of blew me away. And then I just started to te- grab that guitar. So when my dad would be at work, I would grab that guitar and I would like sit. I would just sit and try to play it and like pluck the strings. And um, and then it just I don't know. I just eventually taught myself. So you didn't take lessons or anything. You were just like playing around with your dad's guitar. Pretty much. When he was at work. Yes. <laughs> and then he would come home and I'd like put the guitar back. And I'd be like, I'm not, I, you know, it was like a secret. And then, yeah, literally over five years, I taught myself how to play, not even really n- realizing that I was teaching myself how were to play. Were you like listening to music and playing along or were you just like messing around on your own? But all of that, like I would like listen to an Ani DeFranco song and then I'd find like the string and press down on the note and be like, okay, I can like follow the melody. Yeah. And then at that time there wasn't really internet. So I would go to the music store 
or the bookstore and try to convince my mom or somebody to buy me like a music book. And I was like trying to teach myself how to read music, but my brain doesn't work that way. And, but I can read chords. Like if I, I can look up a tab and read like tablature. So I would find tabs and, you know, if you look up like guitar chords on the internet, it'll show you where to put your fingers. So that's how I started learning chords. And then I would just start learning other people's songs. Like I would be like, okay, this song would be in the music and it would say like C, D, A, F, whatever. And then I would like then look at my chord book and be like, learn C, D, A, F. And then I would just like piece it together. I mean, probably not the most efficient way to do that, but that's like how my brain is backwards like most of the time. So but you found a way to make it work. I found you. a way, yeah. Yeah. Um, probably took the long way, but that's fine. Um, and then, yeah, I just started. But it was of, just like, this is a fun like thing to do. Yeah. And I was like in school then. I mean, this is like in high school. So like 15 to, you know, to when I was like 18, 19. Um, yeah, it was just like, I didn't want to do homework. You know, I would get like, I mean, this is like in a time also, like there was no cell phones. I know. There was no internet. So literally I would be like doing homework. I'd have like surf practice and then I'd be like bored. So it'd be like, okay, I'm going to sit in my, I mean, it was like the, I mean, I really don't think kids these days or anyone that's like 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 knows what it's like to be bored in their room without a cell phone or the internet. But you probably remember. Right. Like, that's what I'm like. That must, yeah. Like I, I was always I a big that. reader. So I think like that's probably what contributed to it yeah because like what else what was i gonna do right i mean you would like tv yeah you would do your homework or you'd like do some art project or go hang out with your friends and like listen to music and there was no like alternate distraction you and you had a lot of time also like i just feel like time moved slower then yeah i always had after i always had a job though too i worked at the pizza place (laughs) And that was the other thing. Actually, I worked at Belisario's Pizza and my manager, Rob Wills, was this epic bass player in this jazz band. And he would be like, oh, you're teaching yourself how to play guitar? And then he'd be like, here, take this like four track and like figure out how to use it. And then or he'd be like, and then I and then he'd be like, I got I'll have something <laughs> new for you next week. And then so he, he was like giving you like musical ga- gadgets or like, yeah, the next week it'd be like a distortion pedal. And then be like, here, run your guitar through that and like see what that sounds like. Oh, that's cool. So that he was awesome. He was like super inspiring and encouraging. And I could never figure out how to use any of that stuff. (laughs) And I still don't use a lot of pedals. And like, I'm just like not I'm just like, keep it simple. Like, I don't know. We're sitting in my studio right now and I we can't even figure out how to turn the computer on. (laughs) Um, But that's okay. I know my strengths and my weaknesses and I'm okay with that. (laughs) Okay. So you've been playing around with guitar. You're at Volcom or interning. Yep. What happens? Well, okay. So then I was like working for Stance magazine, which was part of Transworld magazine. And did you go to college? I okay so that's a other interesting story no I went well I did two years at Miracosta Community College so you did graduate high school and start yeah I graduated high school I went backpacking with with a good friend around Europe came back um signed up for community college was taking just like basic classes but really I was taking like oceanography and like painting and like 
And then I was like taking college courses to be like, okay, I'm going to college. I was, yeah, I was going to college (laughs) for a business communication degree because that was what my Volcom rep guy told me, like, get that and then you'll, that'll set you up for like working in the, got it, repping industry of the surf clothing. And so through that, I was like, oh, I could take, oh, they offer like a vocal class, um, like a singing class and they offer like guitar. And so I thought like, oh, well, I am maybe it would be good for me to learn how to do this the quote unquote right way. And so I was in singing class and that was cool. I met a great um, I started seeing the teacher privately for private lessons and she was awesome. And she was like an opera singer, though. So that was kind of wild. So at that point, then, is music starting to feel like this could be something? Because like, why would you then take private lessons? I think. I was kind of writing songs, but I wasn't really thinking ahead. I like I wasn't thinking. You just enjoyed singing. You enjoyed playing music. You enjoyed the vocal course. So like, I want to keep doing it. But it wasn't like I'm going to keep doing this because I'm going to be the next Donnie DeFranco or whatever. No, I don't think so. I think it was like I never focused on anything long enough to like get good at it. <laughs> and I thought like maybe I'll. Maybe I should get focused on something and get really good at it. And that, and that was, was exciting. And that was singing? That was like singing and playing guitar. Because I thought like, ooh, I know enough. And now if I really put time and energy into it, I could like maybe be really good at it. But not, I wasn't thinking, but to be like on tour or anything. Just like for yourself or yeah. was it even like for my friends to be like, look at me, I know how to sing. Or you just really like for your, like... I like this. I'm going to yeah, being better at it. Yeah. I mean, at that point, I was like going to school or I had like only I mean, I had gone to high school and I was on the surf team and I was like, all right at surfing. And I love surfing, but I knew I didn't want to be a professional surfer. And I just thought, oh, it would be cool to know. I think I really love I just really loved music. And I thought like it would be really cool to be really good at this for not any other reason than that. Hmm kind of weird when I think back on it like <laughs> that's why I keep like are you sure you didn't think- <laughs> I don't I don't think so like but so I was but in- that might just be because we are often like it is so many people fantasize about like becoming a big song or songwriter. so it's just like now it's like of course there's so many people out there that enjoy music and that probably are pursuing it in different ways like that but also not letting themselves think of like well I'm not gonna do that but like hey I love music I love yeah. this so I want to immerse myself in it and be better at it but that doesn't mean like I'm committed to that being my career. You know, again, I think it's like this was at a time where there wasn't like YouTube and voice <laughs> shows and, and like and yeah, five competition shows on where everybody's trying like to this get a was, record deal. I don't think it even occurred to me I could become a musician. Right. Like it might have it seemed just too wasn't far away. That exposed. Like, I mean, it was such a the world was so much more closed then in the term in terms of access to things. Like, yeah, I didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about that. I didn't see that. Um, but so I was, I went to Miracosta. I took these classes. I did, I started working with the vocal teacher, which was cool because I never learned how to sing properly. And, and my, and like my cousin's part of the family was real was pretty musical. They all play piano and sing and things like that. And so I just thought like, okay, this all like put some energy here and see what happens. And then I was doing the guitar class and the guitar teacher after like two weeks was just like, uh, and I was like failing. And he's like, 
You know, it's like, you know, it's like trying to teach someone. I'll never forget this. The teacher, literally. It's like trying to teach someone Spanish properly, but they already know the slang. And it's really hard to reverse it, like to retrain yourself in music when you already know so much on your own. I just feel like this class isn't for you. And I was like, shit. (laughs) Because I had already taught myself so much and I already had this like style of playing. Yeah, like your mind probably like saw or heard music and grasped a way to make it happen. And so then even though you're trying to learn the right way, it's just like you're automatically going to this way that you know. Which is also interesting because in the fifth grade, I played clarinet in the school band and I never read music. I just memorized all the parts and then I would play and pretend I was reading the music. And like, so I think it's just, I've never been able to read music. It doesn't make, I'm not, never been very good at math. Um, Never, my mind just does not work that way. Never been good at like, I'm good at like, I'm good at like, um, like figuring out like pro tools and things like that and like computer programs and and whatnot. But like, yeah. Did that ever in your journey and then like becoming a musician and like did the ability to, or the non-ability or whatever, not being able to read music, that did that ever create in you like self-doubt or like feelings of not enough or like, or were you just able to be like, yeah, you know, or maybe did that teacher teach you, like did that somehow help you of being like, yeah, I don't do things this way, but I do it. Or like, yeah. did you ever feel judged or yourself judging? Like, because you can't, don't read music? You know, I think I wish I could read music, but I also feel like there's a blessing and a curse in there. It's like on the one hand, and I've had, I've talked with several people about this and like band members and whatnot. And they've all kind of said, if you're just like in a band and you're you're like a bass player or a guitar player, you're like a hired person. Yeah, you got to know how to read music. Side guy, and... listen to Jeff Badco's Badco's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Professional side guy, side guy. <laughs> then yeah, you want to know how to read music and know what key things are in and know how to chart something out. And but luck, you know, fortunately for me, as like the main person and me being my own artist. You know, my band would come in for band practice and be like, what key is the song? And I'd be like, I don't know this one. Bring like and they'd be like, OK, cool. Like and and I kind of realized that while it would be cool to know music, like when you do know how to read music and the quote unquote right way, it's it can be very um, closed and right. not free. So that, the that fact they that, can take it very like literally as like this is what I play. Like it's hard to get out of that. But yeah, since you are not stuck in those confines that like, yes. it's more, Cre- I don't know. It's just more open spacious, for whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, like I can get wild and put a chord together that, that to me sounds right. But somebody maybe that knows music would be like, that does not go together. You they know? like want to name it. Like, wait, what chord this, that? And yeah. you're like, I don't know. That's just what I like. Right, <laughs> or like right. it feels good here. But people are like, we need to be able to chart that or, you know, yeah. whatever. So I think it's cool because... Um, and even like learning how to play music, like I'd be like, look at this chord I like created <laughs> and someone would be like, yeah, it's a D <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, and I'd be like, and they'd be like, you know, you can just play it like down here with two fingers. And I'd be like, oh, but it sounds so much cooler up here on the eighth fret. Like, you know, so I don't know. I think it has its like, um, it has its pluses and minuses, but I never felt confined by it because my band always just charted it out and like relayed the message to everybody else and so that was fine but but yeah if I wanted to be um like I don't know that I could come I don't know no it hasn't I mean 
I more about like even like you're saying when the you know band member comes in and say what key in this and you're like just play it instead of saying it did that create any sort of in your mind like oh I'm not smart enough this because I don't know the key or were you able to be like this is me y'all maybe in the be- <laughs> I mean I, maybe in the beginning a little bit but I think for the most part I'm just like I don't know this is what I do I, I made the song it like sounds all right right so like uh, who cares that we got here like Good. we got here that's <laughs> awesome um but yeah I mean I definitely I, I guess I wish I knew how I mean I've learned over the year like I know I know the names of chords now yeah <laughs> just good to know um and through just learning and teaching myself i think i've i've learned you know how to i don't know a little bit more about me i mean i for surely could spend some more time on it but um but i think that's the thing is like music for me is like i just want to follow my intuition and follow where it takes me and i'm not trying to do it i'm not trying to do it right yeah i'm just trying to sometimes knowing more can limit us in some ways yeah it yeah. was like, or would this is the right way? I was even actually just thinking about that with like business stuff. I don't know if that was much like this morning or last night. Like, some, yeah, in the last 24 hours, I was feeling like, oh, when I first was like, okay, I can offer like talk, talking about my services and these mindset shifts and stuff with the world. People do webinars. Okay, I'm going to do a webinar. And like, I just did it. And I was like, here's an easy way. Like, I did it. And so then into years of like, oh, you run an online business. This is the best way to market online businesses or all of this information coming at me. Then it in many ways actually created doubts or stopping myself like, oh, I have to follow this. This is the way I reach people. This is the way you're supposed to send newsletters. Well, that's what it was because I was like, oh, but it's Wednesday. You didn't send your newsletter. That was the day you were doing it. And I was like, oh, I'll send it on Saturday. I think I've been sending it on Saturday. That's okay. I think they've had the same open rate. And then I was like in my head, like, oh, but I think Saturdays are wrong. I think I've learned you're not supposed to send emails on yeah. Saturdays. So you better just not send the email. You fucked up your whole week or like what? Like that whatever it is that sometimes knowing more means more rules in boxes that you think you have to fit in, which then limits it. Or I could just be like, well, I'm just going to send the email when I want to send the email. Cool. Yeah. Or it's like sometimes just being, I don't know what this is for whatever reason, reminding me of this other thought, which is. Sometimes we're so attached to something being a certain way or attached to something happening or attached to getting a job or getting a a thing or that we like block ourselves from potentially something even bigger happening. Right. Because we're so focused on what we think should be happening and what we think we should be doing that we totally miss the mark of like, oh, wait, maybe take a step back and like. Like maybe what we think we're going after is actually playing small and there's something even bigger. Does that make any sense? Yeah. No, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know exactly the words to use to, to describe it. But yeah, like, it's I sort feel- of be like if we're so like set on this is the way it's happening and this is the thing, then we could be missing all these like, oh, hey, this right, right here. Oh, this here. Like all these other things could be like popping up like it's over here. It's over here. And they are. But that just like what you don't imagine is the direct. This is what is supposed to happen. Yes. This is what I have to get do to be this, that, whatever. And it's actually it's Marianne Williamson that talks about it in Return to Love. Her friend that really wanted to get he was a musician and he really wanted to get on this like music, this music show. I forget what it's called. Um, And he was just like, that was his goal. I got to get on the show. I got to get on the show. I got to I got to become part of this band. And and he she talks about how he was so focused on becoming part of this band on this show that was out at the time that he totally missed this other opportunity that he got offered 
because he couldn't see it because he was just and it was like that's not yeah like this one thing that like yeah probably was missing other opportunities as well as to like not talking or opening up and certain or putting himself in different places that could present his dream in a different way yeah and that could have eventually even took him to the show because he's like this is it Yeah. yeah so i feel like i'm constantly just trying throughout my life to be like okay i kind of want to do that but like also keeping an open mind or just or just dropping in just trying to drop into my intuition or to really be present in certain you know in life to what else is happening around me not just this thing i think i should be focusing on yeah like i really want to put new music out but there's all these opportunities right now presenting themselves for me to open a restaurant that's a whole other thing we haven't like, gotten into. Yeah, like I've heard that pieces of that before, but not in a while. <laughs> and so it's like, and so when I take a step back lately, it's like, okay, I'm releasing new music and like, okay, I really need to think about this because now this other opportunity is starting to present itself and in a very real way. And maybe my, you know, I, it's like I could be getting pulled that direction, but I'm so focused on, no, I have to release You're attached music to the I'm, idea of, I need to put new music I'm out. I'm a musician. I need it's to put new music. It's been this long. Yes. People expect this of me. I've said this. I'm just making yeah. up shit. But like that can hold it. No, it's true. Yeah. But like, yeah. So it's like, I nope, can't do that. Can't open myself up to these other things that I also do want to happen because. Yeah. I'm this. So I it's. Have to do this. Yeah. So it all comes back to just not being so like focused on attached to things. Yeah. And just oh, maybe all of this is happening for a reason and I really need to take a step back and like, and also ask myself and my heart, like what is going to make, what is going to serve me best right now? Like where is, where is my heart actually? Is my heart actually in releasing new music? Is my heart even in being a musician anymore? Right. Like, and what is, and, and explore that a little bit. Like, yeah, what's the energy behind it? Is it like, I really want to put this music out because I'm like so passionate about these songs and this music, like, so it has to be put out now. Or is or it because like, I think everyone else thinks I need to be doing that? Like, do does anybody even think that? Because most of the time, even your right, old like, idea of yourself, like, I'm, tr- I'm whatever. I was like, I'm going to have my baby and I'm going to build it. I'm getting right back to music. Oh, I need to yeah, get, you know, get going. just be like, I'm stuck into that idea that I promised myself that, or, you know, that I then said is going to happen. Yeah. And th- yeah, it's like, even if you do love the songs and you really do want to put them out, that like, where is the energy of like, I need to put these out now? Yeah. Or even from? just having a kid and then being like, I need to go back on tour in six months. And then and then me being like, well, I kind of just want to hang out with my kid, actually, because he's not going to be this old forever. And being like, OK, that's the choice I'm making and that's what I want to be doing but that wasn't what I thought I was going to be doing. And then, so there's a whole, you know, yeah. thing around that too, of just like, yeah, letting, like just being aware of the things we want to do, but then taking a step back to explore the energy and the intention behind that. And is that ego? Is that, is that fear? Is that staying comfortable? Is that easy? Yeah. Is it like an attachment like, to yeah. what you, this idea that you think you are or that you think people expect you of yourself or that you expect of yourself? Yeah. Most of the time we're like, oh, I should be doing this because people think I need to be doing that. And it's like, people aren't even thinking of you. Like, <laughs> Or it's even like being attached to an identity that you identify with, but you might've even like outgrown. Like even for me, when I was like ready to like, I know that I need to, I'm done with doing sound, but I love sound that it was also like I was still attached to like, I'm Trisha Huffman, a female monitor engineer. I'm a fucking badass because I am that. Yeah. So if I'm not that. Yeah. Even if I'm creating this other 
amazing thing. Well, People and- think of me as Trisha, the female badass engineer, and that's who I am. So who am I if right. I'm not that? Even though I can feel that it's not serving me and I have this other calling, there were still so many parts of like, but I want to, I'm that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's why, you know, it's, it's interesting now because I'm thinking about that, like people that have really inspired me as people who have started one thing and become somebody, but then have it's also kind of morphed into a new career and a new passion. Like you were a sound engineer, but then you went through some life stuff and then discovered the food stuff and, and all the joyology and all the health and wellness. And that has like led you to here. Katie Brower being like an Olympian snowboarder. Now she's like teaching, you know, like a whole new identity. Yeah. Jason going from songwriter to now into farming and a whole <laughs> other thing. Like, you know, I think about like Jessica Alba, like what what would happen if she just stayed an actress and just pursued that till it, you know, like I'm an actress. I'm an actress and I need to be Jessica Alba in the, in the latest thing. Well, now she's created on it like that. These things wouldn't happen if we just stayed small. Yeah. And not allowed ourselves to morph into and follow a new passion. Cause I sometimes feel like I just kind of fell into music and that was like all my twenties and thirties. And now I'm in my thirties. But then 30s. you become known as Tristan Prettyman, singer songwriter, Tristan Prettyman, musician. So then that can be what you identify yourself as. Right. And only. that's probably the first time I like identified with myself. Like I just or felt like, I don't know, like I had my thing, you know? And so, yeah, sometimes it is scary. Like, what? who am I without that thing? But I don't know that I've ever really played music to be like. Yeah. So how like getting back to <laughs> you and music? <laughs> it's like I really. I mean, I never I mean, I think my favorite part about music is actually getting to see the world and meet different people. It was never about like becoming on being on a magazine cover or, like, you know, I don't know, being a celebrity. Yeah, how did you start then? So at this point, still, when you're like taking the voice lessons, your guitar teacher tells you, you know, not to take the class. <laughs> the yeah, class the is not for you. Well, this is I can't help you. Are you still like just playing music on your own? Yeah. Have you been playing out places? Like, well, where did you then get to? Like, are you playing out somewhere? Do you start playing music for other people? I like, think I started what was pl- the step. I think so. I was friends with a bunch of pro surfers. Um, and I would go to their house and like, you know, we'd have barbecues and group gatherings and I there'd be like a guitar and then I would like play a song. And then I, were, I think it was like I probably just played a song at a barbecue and someone was like, whoa, like you sing and play guitar. And it was that like there's a guitar there. Like you didn't come with your guitar. No, no. It was just like there and like, oh, people here, are I've playing been, music. And like, like, oh, okay, I'll been, play a song. I've been practicing in my room all week for this moment. Like <laughs> I feel comfortable. And I've always been really shy with music. Like I don't I I'm fine if I know I have a show and we're going on tour or something. But like I'm not I'm not like a jammer and I'm not going to there's a guitar. I'm not going to be like, oh, let me play y'all a song like I just, that feels so uncomfortable for me. Um, but in this case or whatever, I think, yeah, somebody was, I probably had enough to drink that I was like, woo, all inhibitions gone and uh, played a song. And then it was kind of like, oh, you like play guitar and sing. And then people kind of were like, oh, like play more. Like, wow. And then I was at my friend's house one night and his roommate came home who was working on a surf movie. And I was on the floor playing and he came, walked in and he was like, who are you? And I was like, I don't know. I just friends with everybody. And he's like, we're making a surf movie and we're doing the soundtrack. And we have all these like singer songwriters, like undiscovered people. We're recording it on a mini disc player. It's like very organic. It was like one of the first kind of organic artsy surf films that came out. 
up until then it had been like all high performance on really tiny short words and punk oh, rock okay. music and like Blink-182 oh, okay. and Pennywise. And this one was like kind of the more like hippy dippy cruisy with some like long boards and just more organic-y feeling, I guess. And he was like, you should come down and play and record some songs and maybe we could use one for the soundtrack. And I was like, okay. And, and I was at like, that point where you already, did you have your own songs? I had like halves of songs, like not completed songs. But I had like a lot of halves of songs. And I think I even told them that. Like I have like parts of songs. I will play you parts and then maybe <laughs> a part of a part will work for your part. <laughs> and so I played anything at all. And I just ended up winging it and just made up the whole song. I had like a chorus already written or something, a verse. And then I made up the rest of the song. And then that's the one they ended up using for the film. And that kind of like I, I was I don't think I'd played any live shows at that point. Um, but that kind of like put me on the map, so to say, like, because that movie went out and was really popular and then people that came with the soundtrack and then they started getting like emails like who, and it was, this is right around the Jack Johnson Donovan. Oh, right. So like very like thirst music, but like, yeah, it's like like, mellow. I don't even know it. How do you describe that? Surf pop. Surf pop. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know. I always felt like my music was way too sad and depressing for the surf pop, but I got (laughs) grouped into that group. And so, yeah, they started getting emails and um, letters like, who is this girl? And like, where does she have any music? And then, so that guy who was my friend's roommate offered to start helping me and was like, I don't, you know, was like, let's make an EP. I want to help you all, like, help manage you. And Did that he was, that know was anything about, like, music Not, no, or anything? He, he was, was just, like... He was working for Taylor Steele, like, doing video, making videos, surf videos. But he really loved music. Big music lover. And um, and his girlfriend, who's now his wife at the time, they have, like, three kids, and they're awesome. We still talk. He was my, basically, my first manager, and he helped me. Um, He connected me with a bunch of people. Uh, And actually... I will say in the beginning, I definitely was like, I just don't know enough. Like, I just don't feel like a good enough musician or a singer to even do this. And he was like, no, you're like raw and it's like so great. And you're like, no, it's like awesome. And I would just be like, I just don't, I'm not like polished. Like, I'm not, I don't know if I'm good enough to do this. And I'll never forget, he got me on the phone with Jack Johnson and uh, cause we were like at that point now, this is like fast forward. I think we had made an EP and I was talking about maybe signing, like doing like a record deal or something like that. And he was like, listen, like you can, you don't need, you can just be you and like, you don't need to know all the chords and you don't need to like sing perfectly. Like you just need to do what you do and not try to be anybody else. And just like, do Jack you- Johnson said that to you or that you're, mm- he, Jack Johnson yeah. said this to me. Oh. Um, like if you you don't need to sign a label to become successful, like you don't basically you don't have to do all the things you think you need to do yeah. to get to where to, your career can be whatever you want it to be. Like, and I think he really inspired me in the sense and that this was like right when he was blowing up on his first record and he probably doesn't even remember talking to me. Um, but I remember thinking like, wow, his music is so simple, so basic. It's not fancy chords. It's not like Paul Simon. It's not like, I don't even know if John Mayer was out then, but it's not like Grateful Dead, like, like all crazy. Like, it's just very simple. And his voice is like, fits the music and it just works as its thing. And it's not by any means on a musical or vocal level, 
like mind blowing. No. But it works. Yeah, it's so it's simple, great. but it's so loved. I remember being like in Thailand and people listening to Jack Jack, like everywhere. Oh my gosh, like, I just had it on repeat forever. Like, yeah. And so, in, in you know, listening to Ani DeFranco, it's like she doesn't have the best vocal. That's true. Of all time. She's a sick ass guitar player, but it, her vocal works for her music. And that's, yeah. that's where the match happens is it's like. Well, in her words, it's like, but it's also a different thing. It's like when you feel like somebody, it's like their passion and their personality, like coming through their music, then it's also takes it to, it's not just like, oh, she's not this type of like, yeah, like your grading scale of like what a good singer is goes out the window. Right. So it was like, okay, I'm not, yeah, I'm not trying to be like Britney Spears or Madonna. I'm just trying to sing my truth and, and for it to feel authentic and and so that was really inspiring. And that and at that point, I just was kind of like, all right, I'm going to give this a shot and I'm going to just see where this goes. And then I started kind of playing shows and my parents came to a show at the Belly Up and they saw like all these friends of mine come out and they were like, you know, we think that you should just like try to we think you should just pursue this. And wow, like you can go back, you know, you're in college or whatever, but like you could go back to college at any time. Like this seems to really make you happy and people seem to be connecting. And like you just know we like ha- you have our you have our support. And I was like, whoa, because at that point they I mean, my parents are kind of hippies growing up, but like they're very much so like go to college, get a job you know, off you go into the cookie cutter yeah, circuit. And for them to say that and tell me like to drop out of college basically and pursue this was huge. And so off I went. Were you living at, with them at the time or did you have your own apartment or anything? I was living with them and yeah, I was living at home, I think. Yeah. Because I remember going on tour and I would come back to my parents' house. That's wild. and so how did that too like back in the days then like now everything is like digital music oh you can just anybody can like submit songs to itunes or you know like be out there like when you make an ep back then how is it getting out and then like is he like submitting like mailing mailing cd to record labels and radio stations and stuff yeah so i believe that he was mailing cds to people all of our friends and family all the surf people we sent a cd to jack johnson we actually so i believe we sent a cd to jack johnson jack johnson sent that to g love's manager passed that on to them because g love at the time was looking for a single solo artist to open or not single but like a a solo solo artist to open just one person like person person and guitar guitar instead of a big band yeah super easy setup and um so he passed my CD along to them and then and then they called and said so that's like very quickly after then the whole movie everything this is how long did all of that happen from oh like gosh. you being on the movie to G Love's manager calling Mmm uh, really uh, <laughs> <I> know <laughs> shout out to Iron Smith with the super matcha latte with cacao and maca and matcha it's like the best um, yeah it's like so ever. good that i'm interrupting her thought <laughs> it's, it's so good well you're i mean matt thanks for creating such a masterpiece this episode is sponsored by just kidding iron smith irons it's definitely fueled by iron smith <laughs> um i don't know how long that was maybe like a year it didn't yeah. seem very long i mean i was touring i was i i remember like driving up to san francisco and playing some shows and before um, so g love wasn't the first tour 
first actual tour, but you were like um, doing shows on your own. God, I can't remember. I think, um, I want to say I went on tour with Jason first. Huh. Yeah, in the very beginning. I want to say that I played, it, it, like the timeline is so blurry to me, but I feel like I, because I, because I met Jason at Anya Marina's uh, birthday show. And I and then there was a San Diego Music Awards, and then, and then I think I can't remember. I think I had my EP at that point that I had made, but I want. I mean, I like begged Jason to take me on tour, <laughs> and then I I did. We went on tour up the coast, up the up the California coast. And at that point, where was Jason Mraz's career? <laughs> I want to say that was right post coffee shop, pre like right when waiting for my rocket to come. That was like the first. Um, it hadn't come out yet or like that's I remedy right i think it was the remedy around that time like i think i feel like he had that cd out and it, that was like his first tour up california in like theaters like got so like very beginning it probably like beginning. is out but wasn't like people still didn't probably like know who he was all over i mean i feel like we played like the rialto theater in santa cruz there was like some big venue like Hol- okay. we were playing like um House of Blues. Got it. And then so, the Gorge. You played the Gorge. Well, that's pretty big. Which oh. was like, but early, you know, like not as a main person, but like earlier. Because I remember Opener. we like got to see like Death so Cat for Cutie and Coldplay. So you went out with Jason as an opener. Yeah. And I don't think, I think I had my EP at that time. Were and you guys dating at this time? No. So you just met him at a San Diego show. I loved him though at this point. And well, I was like in love with it. I was boy crazy. So I was just like, oh my God. You were boy crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love love. <laughs> um, no, we were just friends. No, we were just, we were just friends at that point. And, um, and I remember we would, he would make these mixed tapes and then he brought a headphone splitter and then we'd be like in bunks across from each other with like the headphone splitter, like falling asleep to this like mixtape that he would make. He had good music taste. Um, but no, just friends at that time. And then and then I want to say after that tour is when I got the call from G-Love and then I went out on that tour and there his manager was out on that tour. And and at this point, you still don't have a record label. You have like a, what, five song EP that you guys put out yourselves? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, because Joe G was managing me then when I did the Jason tour, I remember. And he was kind of helping me navigate all that. And I had, yeah, I had, I think I had my EP. I can't even, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe I hadn't even made my EP yet. I can't remember. Um, but I know that was super huge being brought out on tour with Jason. And being able to come along for that and open that show was amazing. Um, yeah. And so then also you haven't really played live. No. You weren't like playing in coffee shops like no. he had been no. before he got discovered or whatever. So then what was that like no, going I'm, from you're playing to maybe some friends around living room after I'm playing you've been like drinking? The, I'm playing like the open mic at like the Italian restaurant and like a random cafe you here. You did start like playing some local well, things yeah out. and i played like a i played like a trade show for trans world at their booth with like me and my guitar amp but like no i i'm so yeah you know, well, i went on tour experience? and it was like klutzy mcklutzerson like who the fuck is this lady opening for jet like this lady's making all sorts of mistakes i'm like forgetting lyrics i'm like a hot mess like it was not like it was probably 
more disastrous than it was. And being an opening (laughs) act is an interesting position because most of the people there do not give a damn about who's there. They're just like waiting until like for their main for the the room isn't full. Some people are just waiting until they like, okay. This per the show starts with this person, but the headline is probably not going to go this time. So <laughs> some people going to be there. Some people get there early because they don't want to miss the frame people. Some people are just like there. But yeah, most of the people do not care about the opening act. And so it can be an uh, awkward thing to deal with because like people are going to be talking, laughing, playing like, come on. Like they are a lot of times just like impatient yeah. and not fully paying attention well and jason's so witty and smart and like um charismatic and i'm like so klutzy and spastastic <laughs> like i just feel like people are like really like what? <laughs> okay um but no i would have to say that was his fans were very um were very welcoming um but i also didn't have anything to compare it against right you know and i had been to like i had gone to see like jewel live and i'd been to Ani franco a bunch but like you know, generally speaking, I also hadn't been to a lot of concerts. So you didn't really... I was very sheltered. ...have as like, many expectations about what it was going to be like. I think I wanted to go on that tour so bad, and then it happened, and then it's like we got to the first show, and I was like, holy shit, like, this is actually happening? Like, I have to go and play, like, before you? Like, oh, man, like, it was a lot. But it was good. It was good. And I would say, and I learned a lot on that tour and I definitely have learned a lot about live performing and um, a lot of good tips from Jay, I would say. What are some, not necessarily from him, but yeah, what are the tips? I don't remember, but. What helps (laughs) you? Like what helps you back then and now even to be like getting on the stage and being able to be present and play the music and not like in your head or worried and concerned about what the audience may or not be thinking. Um, I'm always just trying to have fun on stage because I know if I'm not having fun, probably nobody else is. Yeah. You know, you can the sense can the read. energy, yeah. like awkward energy, that, nervous energy. So that's probably a big thing is like that, like the ener- the audience can sense your energy. And if you're nervous, like, um, actually I think this is something on uh, Anya Marina said to me, which is like, I used to go on stage and apologize if I made a mistake. If I like loved a chord, yeah, I'd be like, oh, oh, sorry. Or I'd play a song and then I'd be like, oh my gosh, I made so many mistakes in that. And Anya was like, pulled me aside one time after a show and was like, hey, you got to stop apologizing on stage because like most of the time people have no idea you're making a mistake. They have no idea. And for instance, I just did this other podcast where I played Say Anything and I made two mistakes. And then when I listened back to the recording, I was like, like a week later when she sent it to me, I was like, I don't even know where those mistakes were. Like, I don't I, I don't I couldn't even find them. And I'm like, maybe they edited, but in the edited moment, them out. You're like in the moment it feels and, I he, fucked up, and it I'm sounds worse. like a huge it sounds like it's just like like you know. Um and so Anya said to me, Hey, you can either give people a pl- you can say, Here's a here's a plate of shit. <laughs> here's your plate of shit. And they're like, Oh, cool, I'm getting a plate of shit. Like, thanks. Or you can say, here's a plate with pearls on it. Look at this amazing plate of pearls. Like, you got to stop apologizing because every time you apologize, you're basically saying, I'm giving you a shitty performance right now. Thanks for coming. But if you just own it and just you're like, yeah, whatever, I made a mistake, but I'm having fun and and I'm going to fucking nail it from here on out. You're like, here's that you're getting a high quality experience. And that and that I think just kind of ties into like self-confidence and just becoming confident on stage and being like, 
if you make a mistake, whatever, but like, and then move on and then just fucking own it. Like get in your groove and like you are a badass and you can do this. And, and like, cause I get really nervous. It's like, oh my God, anytime we did like a TV performance, I was so nervous all the time. So it's just like, I just, so was, well, yeah, what would you do to calm yourself down? I just try not just ch- try to tell myself like you've got this you've played the song a thousand times like because i start thinking about it and then i'm like i'm gonna fuck up and then you probably do like so it's just like yeah. stop doubting yourself you got it like you nailed the performance like but yeah. it's nerve-wracking at the same time i don't know i i just get very nervous sometimes still i don't get I, nervous just going on i don't get nervous like performing live anymore but anytime it's like a one take kind of thing like a tv or it feels more pressure oh god it feels like so much pressure and so much anxiety um but really just being like you know like you're here to do a job essentially and you're here to have fun and you don't need to put so much pressure on yourself like like stop putting so much pressure on yourself for it to be perfect and need it to go a certain way and just fucking have fun because like all these people are here like when I think about why I go to a show, it's like to get away from everyday life, to fucking hang out with my friends, to like forget about my problems for an hour or two. Like, so I, as an artist, have to show up with that energy too. Like, hey, we're, I'm, and I think maybe that's something Jason talks about is like, um, I'm like the, you're like the captain of the ship and you're leading this ship on an adventure, on an experience. And as a performer and an artist, that, is kind of your responsibility. Yeah. You know, and that's, and so don't take that for granted and let's make sure everybody has a great time. Yeah. Including he, you. <laughs> including you. And he does a really great job at that. Um, and so in it for every artist, that's going to be different. Um, but it's like in anything, it's like if we're, it's, a, it comes back to what we were talking about, which is if you're so focused on everything needing to go a certain way and you have so much fear about, it not going a certain way like you're gonna miss the whole experience yeah so i think in life i just in everything i do i'm constantly just trying to tell myself like just be you're here right now just be here have fun stop worrying you know if i like go rock climbing it's like and i'm like oh my god i I forgot to do that and i forgot to do do and it's like you're here rock climbing for the next hour like shut your brain off and let's and be present otherwise why are you here doing this if you're not really here yep same on being on stage. It's like you got to just be there in the moment. You're there to have fun. That's a total gift and a total amazing opportunity to even be able to go on stage and like people put their experience in your hands. And like, so like, don't be disrespectful. Show up and have a blast and take them on a journey. And like, yeah, let's feel some stuff together. Like, let's work some stuff out, you know? Yeah. And like, that's wild. <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, they're connecting, they're there to like connect with the music and that coming from you they're gonna be able to sense the like energy that it's coming from yeah and there's definitely was a time on tour where i was so burnt out i did not want to be there and pretty sure you could feel that (laughs) and people are like why did i just waste 25 bucks to come to the show when you're in a bad mood and now I'm in a bad mood. And I could have <laughs> like probably done, you know even a bad mood, but maybe <laughs> no. And I probably cheered myself up in the process or something. But like, yeah. Right, so let's talk about now. You get have a label. You can like actually people or think of you as Tristan Riddiman, singer songwriter, and stuff like that. Does that start to at all create any sort of like comparison with all these other female singer songwriters, or even with men, or like something like that? Did you? 
you know, like you said early on about not having like being like not judging yourself for like, oh, okay, I don't read charts or I might not know these things. And like, okay, but like wondering, like once you actually sort of got some sort of level of success and people knew you more, did things come up? Well, I think when you get signed, you're like, oh, shit, somebody thinks I could do this (laughs) because I didn't wasn't planning to do it. And then that then creates a level of like. Am I like a fraud? Like, am so you're I? Like, yeah, I did it. I got a label, or I got, and then I'm like, did I just trick everybody? Like, whoa, like, or can I really do? You know, then it was like me convince. I need to convince myself that I could do it. Yeah, and at that point, you had songs. I had songs, right? So I got like signed. You have that. You got signed. There is proof that people believe in you. You have songs. People are like, whatever. But it's just then you start to doubt. Everything. That's what I've been like. I was just talking even with a client today. It's like they are getting good news. Things are really happening in this like vision they have for their life. Oh, my God, it's happening. And that you think like, oh, everything's going to be great now. But that's usually when good shit happens is when all the doubts and fears and like self-sabotage comes up. Why is that? Because you're like, oh, it's too good to be true. The shoe's going to drop. I finally got this thing I want. But wait, never mind. I'm and not, not going to make this happen. I'm not good enough. They're going to find me out. I'm going to get fired. This isn't really going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up losing my job. And I don't have this job because I took this new awesome job. And everything's going to fall to crap. <laughs> yeah, it's scary. <laughs> but that's what keeps people paralyzed and in fear in the first place. Because they can't handle... You got to be ready for that good shit to happen. Yeah. And if you're not ready... Well, you better get ready because like you want to enjoy it also, you know, like. Yeah, that's interesting. I keep looking over at this sign that I gave you years ago. (laughs) Yes. That says accept the good, which one of the phrases that's in my product line now is see the good. But it's like that accept the good is an even like different level of something is like, yeah, like you got the deal. You got the job. You got the person. You got the whatever, like. Things are happening, like, accept it instead of, like, fighting it and sabotaging yourself. I, why do you think it's so hard for some people to accept success? You know, I think that it just, like, we all unfortunately have this I am not enoughness in us that we're all pushing against. And so... We can be in a very, no, I'm this, you know, I want attention. I want this. I have so much to say. Me, I want a book deal. I want that. You know, I have so much to say. Listen to my amazing podcast or whatever. And then things can show up to be like, oh my God, what? No, I don't have enough good things to say. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not this. That it's like that it's always coming up against this I am enough story. And then if you talk, you know, like in the episode with Libby Carsonson, she, you know, she talks about how like it's usually something that happens in the ages which it's in the book of why I think by or like what about why or something with Simon Sinek like she's not the mm-hmm. only person that said that but basically like there's real information out there that says that like something happens in our childhoods that ends up creating the story that we end up being attached to our entire life that just keeps like replaying and showing up so when mm. something good happens when something bad happens these like self-sabotaging thoughts are going all the way back and what I've also like then it's like okay so I think mine is this because I've carried around the story of nobody cares about me Mm-hmm. my entire life which i just recently uncovered because i knew that one of the stories i had was i don't need you which i must have created to defend myself from seeing that i believe that nobody cares about me so i went moved through my mm-hmm. life like i don't need you so i don't need help i'm here to help you i don't need you i'm so independent i'm gonna do everything on my own because you don't care you. about me anyways so because it was covering up 
the real fact that I believe nobody cares about me. Yeah. And I said that in the present tense because it is still a real thing that you know I struggle with because I will yeah. sometimes call you and be like, Tristan, I feel like aren't we good friends, but I never see you. And I know I'm telling myself this weird story. And I have a lot I love that you call me, though. But Trist, I just like need reconfirmation that we are friends, right? Because I'm having an I am a not enough, nobody cares about me moment. Like, that's a real thing that real resurfaces that I would love to say is healed. And now I've acknowledged it and it's gone, but it's not. But now that I've acknowledged it, I'm able to name it. So when something comes up, I can yeah. be like, oh, Hey, this, I don't think it has anything to do with you, Tristan, or our relationship but right I'm now. I'm experiencing this thing. I'm having this, I'm stuck yeah. in a moment of this, which is tied back to my feeling of nobody cares about me. So that makes me make up stories about, I haven't seen her in this long a time. And so, or you yeah. know, that. So then, because she doesn't care about me. Yeah. Anyway, long winded of saying, I also now realize, because it's like my mom's in town, she listens to all my podcasts, whatever, that I'm now feeling like she's bearing the weight of like, all of this is because of you. And now, especially as a parent, mm -hmm. it's like having this consciousness and awareness is like, you know what? I'm pretty sure that as much good and in intentions and conscious parenting we do, something's going to happen to our kids that they're yeah. going to catch on to a moment of, I'm not enough. Nobody cares about me. They're going to create their own story that's going to carry them through life. Yeah. No matter how good, no matter if we do everything right, whatever right that is, and that this is what happens. So when you're saying, why do you think that we do this to ourselves? I don't know. It's well, part of our human condition that we are all constantly fighting some version of I am not enough. And for me, like I said, the way I'm able to be able to move through it is to acknowledge it, to name it. And to talk about it, to reach out, that I'm constantly still working on. Oh, I've named this thing. I'm really, I'm feeling off. Tristan, I'm making up some story right now that you don't even want to like me anymore. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's not real. I can attach it to. It's from my deep feeling that nobody cares about me. Yeah. But here's what we can do to help. Can we hang out soon? Or can we, let's talk yes. on the phone for 30 minutes. Thank you. You know, you it's, help. it's like, like talking to just about all of this is making, as like I keep thinking like, I'm really psyched on the people in my life that we can even have a converse like when I think about all my favorite people in my life from you like Katie Brower my ex-husband the new person I'm dating like everyone's communication is so epic the fact that you can call me and say you know what I have this thought come and the guy I'm dating does this all the time which I'm always like fuck yeah you're epic that you can be like I'm having this thought right now I want to check in I love creating that sense of openness and spaciousness and intimacy in relationships where, where people can feel like they can bring stuff up because maybe that is what keeps us in the fear is when you break the bear, when you finally speak up about a feeling you're having yeah. and somebody else that you care about is like, let me sit with that with you and let's talk about that and then let's see how we can fix that. So that, you know, when you're like really in relationship in all sorts of relationship with people that are committed to your healing and they're committed to yours. That is fucking powerful. Yeah. Because in those times it is still challenging for me to reach out and be like, and I'll say to you, this feels so stupid. I'm calling you as a 38 year old female who is my business is your joyologist. And I teach people about mindfulness <laughs> and all these things. And I'm calling you because I'm making up a story that my friend doesn't care about me or my friend doesn't even like me. But like, it's real, right? Because that's yeah, the child. Like, it's challenging. The child sometimes me. runs the show, though. Yeah. So I'm like, it's challenging for me. And I will say that like, this is awkward for me to say this is uncomfortable or whatever. But yeah, 
what I could do and sometimes what I will do before reaching out will be like, yeah, so whatever. She doesn't even care about me. She has all these other awesome. She doesn't like She doesn't need me. You know what? She's got other friends. She doesn't care about like whatever it is. I can play into these stories and then isolate from myself. It makes me want not, to tackle you. Not reach out to you. <laughs> <laughs> like not in like a sexual way but like you know i want to just tackle you and be like silly trisha yeah but it's i could and you could as humans we can out there take these thoughts these feelings and then not be like well i'm done with that person and put up walls put up and barriers just have a whole conversation with yourself about it yeah and then and act like well, we're not it. even friends anymore so that's how i like whatever yeah. we're just not friends or yeah. we're just like acquaintances never mind i must yeah. think that we're better friends than we are like all of the stories that can play in my mind from nothing yeah from like yeah <laughs> from pretty much like nothing happening our brains are wild yeah that so, we can create all that but yeah that it is like the speaking up which can be uncomfortable is really like where we're able to move through that. And yes. like, and that's why I'm being so vocal these days about like, yeah, we all, that's the point of the podcast of saying like, we all have these crazy stories, no matter how much success you have, no matter how much money you have, no matter whatever it is, no matter how many, how good your relationships are in your life. Yeah. But our minds work in these ways in that like, you're not alone, whoever you are, they're like, you're not alone. And to like, name what you're feeling, open up to people about it. It might be uncomfortable and awkward, but it gets better and it gets easier. And then they'll start totally. to be able to do it too. And that, yeah, like then it's you like create Then these... you give permission to each other and everyone around you to like open up. Like, oh wait, we can do this. We can talk. It's so we, epic. We and then it creates so much stronger relationships. Yeah. And, mm. and I actually um, wrote, just wrote an article for Chalkboard Magazine, which isn't out yet. <gasps> yes awesome when we're recording this it might be if it's out um, like it'll probably be out by the time this goes live and it was the title is basically gonna be like why a joyologist says like that your negative feelings are the key to your joy mm. that basically like i it's easier and what i used to do is like i used to try to ignore the negative feelings i don't have doubts fears i don't have shame worry i don't know i don't make up those stories so, like let's just cover them up and bury them down like not admit that I'm having these negative thoughts because I'm positive, right? I see the positive side of things. So like push those down and ignore them. And that where I've really created more freedom in my life and joy is by paying attention. Oh, you're feeling this. What is it? By naming it. And yeah. then, okay, well, how, where did that come from? I'm feeling like Tristan and I aren't friends anymore because I, what happened? Because I saw her hanging out with other people when she said she was busy. Oops. <laughs> Busted. I was like, I was, I was like, I was like having to retract that though. I was like, where did that come from? Yeah. But like valid thought. And I was like, that, that, that would make sense. I would be like, if I was, you would be like, what the fuck is that? But about? I was like, this is petty. I know those people live like right by her house. Like that's easy. Like whatever. It's no big deal. Even, but my mind is trying to retell myself all of these soothing things, but I'm still attached to this. So yeah. naming it, what did happen? Then asking, is this real? Yeah. No, I'm making up a story and I right think now. I was like, those people came by and I didn't even want to see them. Yeah. I was so pissed. <laughs> you, uh, were, you were like, they just came over. Oh, they just showed up. And I was like, ah, I like, like it, but I don't. <laughs> but that it, you know, like that's the following is like, what am I feeling? Yeah. Like, why am I feeling this? What triggered it? Is it even real? No, I don't think it is real. I think it's a story you're making up. What can I do to feel differently? And it could be like, oh, I'm going to go dance. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to journal. Or you know what? I think I actually have to reach out to that person and have an uncomfortable conversation because I keep yeah. trying to get myself out of this thought process and it keeps happening. Totally. So that's what I did. I'm here to help you get out of that thought process, <laughs> apparently. 
That was a long conversation about my story with acting like nobody loves me. Well, we all have our thing, Flying right? Like the theory Katie, that nobody cares about me. Like Katie Brower has that thing where she, I'm sure she talked about it. Like, or yeah, she, I think she did talk about it. Um, about feeling like she can't depend on anybody. I don't think she, she talked about that, that on my, on our, on my episode. She talked about a lot of good stuff. Like we all have that thing though, right? Like some people feel like they're not enough. Like, so, and so I think that, yeah, when I think about, um, when I think about, Mm, like the insecurities I have like yeah they definitely stem from childhood of just like uh, yeah I'm not good enough to play music like I'm gonna everyone's gonna see right through this but then at the end of the day it's like it's not really about being the best at something it's about that like authentic passion and drive to do it regardless of what happened regardless of the outcome yeah and that's even you know like another thing with me like stepping more out of comfort zone it's like I feel so much better in the doing that I can be like, I don't know if I'm going to be a good interviewer or a good podcast. I don't know if people are going to listen to my podcast. I don't know what's going to happen with the podcast, that all of these doubts and fears could could keep me and, you know, did keep me from starting one initially. But when I'm here, like having the conversation, like I feel great. Well, if you don't do it, you'll never know. But yeah. if you do do it, well, you'll find out if yeah. you suck or you don't or if it feels right to you or if it doesn't or if it's resonating with people or it's not. But if you don't do it and you just stay in your little bubble, then you're never going to fucking know anything and you're never going to grow and you're never going to probably learn anything about yourself if you just stay put and stay small. Yeah. So I say dive in and fuck a bunch of shit up and then (laughs) live your dreams. (laughs) But yeah, and here you are and you're doing it and you said you feel good in the doing. Yeah, that's I feel good in the doing. That's sure of course more like doubts and fears can come up and comparison thoughts of oh, but more people listen to this or now this person started a podcast with pretty much the same idea, but everybody's different. And it's the same thing with like somebody being like, "Oh, I don't want to sing." Like there's so many singers, there's so many artists out in the world. So that could stop somebody from like, "Oh, why even try?" But then it's like that's the point of that like, if it's out there, then it's like people want more of it like oh i'm not gonna write a book because there's enough books out there like no people are always like interested in reading more books even about the same topic totally well it's funny now because i think about like oh what if i like if i put something out or something that somebody doesn't like i'm like now i'm like like where i used to maybe think like oh my gosh like oh that's gonna be a disaster now i'm like oh there's so much content now so that everybody will forget about that in like two days (laughs) move right on move right along like you know or like you do something like that ends up in the news like everyone forgets about it in like right three minutes hey it's me trisha question for you did you know that in rural india only one in 100 girls reaches the 12th grade And that a big reason for that is because they do not have ways to manage their periods. Imagine you live somewhere in period poverty where you don't have access to tampons, pads, period cups. So what are you going to do? They end up missing school, dropping out of school. Women end up missing work which means they have less opportunities available to them. And that is why my September partner at SaltCo is bringing awareness to period poverty. It's a big, big deal. It is the reason that they created their company, that they make and manufacture the best period cups on the market. So they're changing our lives locally 
mine that I have this choice to buy this cup. I only need this one cup for 10 years, saving the environment, saving myself money, saving myself have to worry and frustration of getting tampons and what is this doing for me, the environment? When do I got to take it out? I need to go buy more, all of that. But they also are giving back regularly. They've donated over 35 menstrual cups since they started last year. They are all about bringing awareness so that we can empower and give girls globally self-esteem and confidence to participate in work, school, and daily activities. So please go check out saltco.com. That's with two A's. Go follow them at saltco on Instagram and join their back to school September campaign by raising awareness on period poverty. They're teaming up with someone every day for the month of September to give back. So go join the giveaways and share their messages. Go check out their website. And if you're like, I don't really know about using a period cup. I was like that too until I got one and now I'm obsessed. They have tons of resources on their website. They have an amazing Facebook page where you can ask any question. Don't have to feel uncomfortable about it at all. Go check it out and use code CLAIMIT for 10% off on their website. Also, if you're strolling your local, local Target aisles, find Salt Co. there. Please choose this brand to transfer your, your own experience with your period. And because they are giving back to truly transform the lives of girls and women globally so that their periods will not get in their way of creating opportunity in their own lives. And let's get back to the episode. Do you feel like now too with the music industry being so different with the ease of releasing things on your own and like digitally stuff like that, that it takes some pressure off than like, oh, I have to have these 11 songs that are approved by all these people at the label on yes. this. Yeah, now not being on a label and now getting, and I, I will say like, you know, when I had Kylo, I thought, oh, I'll be back to music in six months and that did not happen. And I really feel like having the break of now, it's been about four or five years since oh. I released something. Just to just allow myself to have that break, go back to school, get the degree as a health coach, take a bunch of courses on plant-based nutrition and nutrition and health and wellness and just kind of explore this other area that I love that I never got a chance to because music dominated my time for so long. And now coming back to music after that amount of time, I feel like I have a fresh perspective. And the fact that I can just, it's weird. It's like, it's almost like focusing on a bunch of other things allowed me to like clear the slate music wise that I'm now able to kind of come into music and you know you've heard some of the new stuff it's a it's, little bit more sassy it's a little bit more electronic and programmed it still has acoustic in there but it's it's a different like direction yeah. and I don't feel a pressure to play the music I was playing before maybe what people know me as but now I get to just explore this other direction because I don't have a record label telling me what to do and Quite frankly, I could release seven songs and I don't even care. Like I'm, I have to, and I, I love, I've talked to several musicians over the years, like, um, other artists that I've toured with who are like, oh, the music industry is so hard now. And it's just so hard to like make any money. And like, uh, there's, it's so hard to captivate listeners and engage people and, and, you know, and kind of complaining about things. And I'm, and I always like. <laughs> Something I always try to remind myself that somebody told me that I'd tell, pass on to them is like, you're making art. Like, no, nobody's, nobody has to listen to anything you make. 
And if yeah. you were making music to and relying on selling it or making money on it or, you know, if you're putting that expectation on it, like you're signing yourself up for failure. Like you have to be playing music and releasing it because you love doing it. Yeah. And, and because it makes you happy and brings you joy and not because someone's going to buy it because it's like it's like an artist, a painter saying, I'm going to paint this thing and I'm going to make X amount of money on it. I'm going to sell it for this much and I'm going to be it's like I, I don't know, someone might like it or not like it. And so you got to just be grateful anyone's tuning in anyway. Like anyone, you got to like it's like the fact that one person cares is like that's huge. You know, like, yeah, you can't. Is that making any sense? No, totally. Like, I mean, that's it's like, yeah, like the point is that, right? Like you're making music because you love making music and like bonus, it touches more people than less and yeah. makes you money to be able to provide for your family so you don't have to go get another right. job and have income and stuff like that. So there is the real like people choose to be musicians and then their financial situation is based on that. And so yes. that, that can then put more pressure on, I want to make music for the music, but yeah. then also, oh, but also I need to provide for my family and this is how I do it. Right. But that's still that it needs to come from the place of like, I'm making music because it feels good to me yes. and not like, if you go into it with that energy, then you can still have that outcome. But if you're like, I have to construct the perfect pop song that will make yes. this amount of dollars. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah. Is I've I've watched people kind of chase this thing and it's like and then I've watched other artists who just continue to do their thing and people still show up and it resonates because they're like they're just like in their lane like rocking out and, and then I see other people just trying to just oh what if I change this direction I'm gonna change this genre I'm gonna wear this outfit like and it's like you don't, need, I don't do you even know what you're chasing like do you even know why you're doing what you're doing anymore i don't know that you know what why you're doing what you're doing anymore you know so well, that's I, the two that there's a like you know that there's a lot of people out there that people look up to and that seem like they have everything together probably because of they are making big money and this and that but a lot of times they're probably lost in i'm just trying to stay into these guidelines that people see me as of like whether i'm the pop star or i'm the this yeah. or whatever and that can create a lot of emotional confusion and that like that yeah. like to me i'm like never surprised when somebody ends up like having a nervous breakdown or a mental yeah. breakdown yeah. or going to rehab or this it's like yeah like you we think yeah. their lives are great but they are creating so much pressure for themselves and internal what am i should supposed to be this box that and then yeah. also like people love and appreciate me and acknowledge me like this so then i feel like i have to keep doing this yeah yeah. So I like tell some of those musician friends, I'm like, dude, you're still touring. You're still putting out records. You're still selling records. Like maybe not to the level that you were at one point, but you're still doing it. And that's huge. You have made it like you are doing most and more than most staying. Yeah. Like to stay. Yeah. For a certain amount of years is. Yeah. Of whatever. Even if that's not like you're at this l certain whatever level you're saying you need to be at thing. It's just yeah. still like the fact that you're able to still do this thing that gives you purpose and also provides for your family totally <laughs> yeah so i'm like just like enjoy it like um what about when because you have had you do like songwriting sessions mm -hmm. right for other people's music and projects sometimes, sometimes yes what are those experience like because that feels like a definite you are there to create this type of song or this vibe or something like that is that 
have like been a ch- more like how do you get, get deal with those sorts of situations so actually i don't i've never gone into a session with like another artist saying thinking like i'm writing for this artist other artist it's more been all right i'll get together with other songwriters and and just to write and i might and i probably know intuitively this song is not going to be for me but i still write it from my place i guess and but what about, haven't you had songs like so even when like the song Fergie did, that was just a song you wrote that she happened to pick up or you had a song in a movie. That's and stuff. a crazy story. Yeah. Were those so, things like write a song for this movie or that they just happened no, those to were picked, source like, say, music. Yeah. So Say Anything was picked for Safe Haven um, through like my publishing administrator that I work with, Cobalt Music. Um, they placed that, which was awesome. And then the song Life Goes On, which Fergie released as her last single on her last album, that was a song I wrote with this guy, Toby Gad, who was another songwriter producer who had worked with Fergie and was being managed by Fergie's manager at the time. And so they, her managers had heard the song at the time. And then like fast forward seven years, I get an email out of nowhere like, hey, this is so-and-so, um, Fergie's manager. Yeah, so you have the song and we remember it and we realize you didn't record it and like she wants to record it. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I, they're like, we'd like to talk about it. And then I was like, yeah, let's talk about that. Like, well, we'll just send you the song. She's already recorded it. And I was like, okay. And it was a really poppy song. And you had written it seven years before she decided to record it. Seven years ago. Yeah. And I didn't want to release it because to me, it always felt really poppy. And I was trying to be more like folky songwriter and it felt real poppy and polished. Now I play it and I'm like, oh, it's really fun. And yeah, so she recorded it and released it. And I, you know, it was like, yeah, this is either going to sit in a file in a Dropbox somewhere and never see the light of day or she can take it and see what happens. And so that was awesome because that was my first time anything like that had ever happened. And she filmed a music video for it and she was on all the late night shows and all the New Year's shows. And uh, it was like right around the holidays, um, like Christmas time. And that was epic. And so in that, too, when somebody takes your song, then you get like songwriting cr- credits yeah. right Writer and like credit, yeah. royalty yep. or yeah 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 so it was written between me and this guy toby gad and so we had split it 50 50 and then she came in and then i think her producer wanted like 10 percent, then she wanted five percent she wrote like a rap on it and i was like yeah whatever <laughs> like because either i'm making no money on it or i'm making some money yeah and some money is better than no money and and that was awesome that funded like a lot of the studio gear here and um and yeah, that was awesome. An awesome opportunity. And that, but that was just so, I mean, I think I, I think Kylo was like six or seven months old when that happened. And that was crazy. That was just like a total blessing that just came out of nowhere. That was like, whew, that's cool. <laughs> so I'm trying to do more of that, which I love doing. But I think also we're really what I want to do is just make, I just want to make music with people that I love to create with and have fun and just really put the fun back into music making and just, take away the inhibitions of like, I need to write a song like this because that is what my other music sounds like. And it should be like this. And just trying to just let all of that go and be like, let's just write songs and have fun. And if we get something good, cool. And if we don't cool, but like just to be, I miss creating. I miss my, I miss just being able to be creative. Really. I don't get to do it a lot. Well, you've definitely took it into the kitchen. I took it into the kitchen, actually. Yes. 
And that I'm always drooling over everything you post. I used to be the cookie person, and now I'm I like, know. I'm like Tristan. Can I come live? I know. Home? And sadly, I've been so busy, I did not make us anything. I have some brownies actually, <laughs> but we'll go somewhere. Um, but yeah, the cooking thing I've always loved. And when Kyla was six months, I you know I had a full like mostly plant based pregnancy, and really when I was pregnant it was like training. It was like I was training for a marathon, and I just wanted like my body in like tip top shape. And I was like working out, and I was eating you know really clean and probably like the healthiest I'd ever been. Well, interestingly enough, I think I got pregnant on tour, and at that time I was like <laughs> drinking way too much and probably eating really shitty food, and and then I got pregnant, and then yeah, and then I was had a pretty solid pregnancy. And then I just really loved cooking and like figuring out how to introduce foods to Kylo and like how to make all the baby food. And, um, and then it was our nanny at the time recommended nutrition, which then I realized half the people I know have also done. I know, that and I feel like there's like six people already that's been on this podcast that have been graduates that are like in totally different, like Other everybody's been doing different things, but it's like, oh yeah, yeah and you went to IN, and you went to IN. But it's like one of those courses that's like, it's there's really a lot of great. good tidbits it's, in there. Yeah, even and if it's you also way beyond food yes. too. Mm-hmm. They do so much. So yeah, I still, I highly recommend to yeah. everyone, no matter like what you're interested it It is a really amazing program yeah i loved it and i didn't go you know i didn't complete college so to be in school quote unquote i guess for a year and really practice like having a focus of working towards something and doing the schoolwork and and taking in all that information that felt so good at the time to be able to go back to school in a sense and actually study something that i was interested in because even when i was in miracosta i was just kind of taking these like filler classes and like oh i'm gonna get a degree in business communication i'm gonna be like a re-. like i yeah i don't know really if that is oh, what i wanted to do i don't know it's weird. weird thing it's weird i you know was lucky well what's like lucky i intentionally made the choice Like, do you like ridiculous? Like, I was lucky, but yeah, I chose that school. (laughs) I chose that path. I intentionally chose Columbia College in Chicago, which was a liberal arts and communication school, because I knew I wanted to do something in music and I didn't know what. And they had a music business program. And while I was there, I learned they did have sound. But I also, one of the reasons I chose them is they let you take classes in your major in the first year. That a lot of schools, oh, that's you cool. have to like, you're like in, doing like two years of gen eds, which I just, I think now I understand can make sense because most people don't know what they want to do. So it gives people time to like take Develop gen ed classes passion and, and then see. really see, like even though you yeah. declare a major, then it's like, so that does make sense. But um, I was able to start classes right away which also then taught me of like oh wait this isn't this is what I want but not because then I realized oh wait they have sound program that's actually what I want so it helped me but I was able to the first semester of college take classes into what I was interested in but I also because it was a liberal arts and communication school even the gen eds were like different like I took philosophy of love class which was about like narcissistic aspects of yourself and like what self-love I had to do papers on the narcissistic aspects of my parents and why they might have raised me the way they did and why I had these traits. Like I took a like it was a big film school. So like it was like psychology of the Simpsons, I believe, was a course. And like, so do you feel like that in a way has set you up to where you are now in a real roundabout way? Oh, yeah. No. And I still like can reference some things. And even like my dad and I's like reuniting after not talking for like five years was because that was like the time of floppy disk, which are not maybe not floppy. They were the hard disk. You know, like that size. Yeah. (laughs) 
for computers that you like had to save everything she on? She showing a four inch mm. by mm, like five inch disc. You know disc. those things you used to put in your computer that the would save documents? Yes. <laughs> Um, my dad, like I had like brought home my old discs before I like cleared them in the paper that I had written, the psychology oh, of the nursing with my parents, he read. And then when my parents decided to get divorced, he drove up to Chicago, read the paper and told me his entire life story wow. and my mother's entire life story of how he was raised and so why they might have done things to me or said things acted the way why we weren't told I loved you why we weren't hugged until a certain age because my mom's parents did things that happened to him very big things that happened in his life that greatly affected him Mm. that greatly then might have showed how he parented us so my dad had this big talk because he found this paper that I wrote for my class. And that was like, but in that school, yeah, we had to 100% that yeah. class like really did a lot for me because I also, you know, almost ended my life at 15 was like, no, I love, I'm going to live my life for me. Love. And then I went to that. Cl- and so I was like, I'm self-love. I love myself. But then that class was really taught a lot about why we are the way we are in many ways and how a lot of it's out of our control and like in how we were raised and based on our parents. So that, yeah, like crazy. But as I'm saying, like I went to a, a ma- like school that had these very interesting offerings. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. But interesting that they got you, but they're probably coming in handy or they're probably in there, you know, getting activated now in your in what you do in all the joyology stuff and all of your coaching like. Yeah. But that's why I mean like we got into that conversation of like I said I was lucky cuz I went to a school that did that, but then I was like why well, intentionally chose that school? That was like because college I think for so many people can be like a, such a lost confusing time. Yeah, it was for me. And so um <laughs> I could handle Anyway, that you were idea. excited to get back and <laughs> learning in school with the nutritional program. Yeah, I just love cooking. So now I just love cooking. But now that's now what that's what like... I do to de-stress. I used to play music probably to de-stress. Like when I was in high school, I would probably be doing my homework and be like, "Oh, thank God that's done. I had to go de-stress and learn music." Now I'm like, "Oh, I just need to cook to de-stress." But it sounds like, like you're now getting back to then music craving now for I'm that. Getting, I'm all over the place. Um, yes. But now, yeah, now music is feeling more like that and less like a job because there's not as much pressure. Yeah. No. Totally changing subjects. Because yes. I got stuck, my mind stuck there when you talked about getting pregnant on tour. How <laughs> did that happen? No, I'm just kidding. How exactly? No. So, uh, would, what has it been like to becoming getting a like whirlwind romance relationship and have a kid and go through a divorce oh elephant in the room <laughs> no just kidding um that was it's been a wild couple of years i don't even know still like coming up from all of that um that was a whirlwind yeah i mean just even i guess i've had a series of real like serious relationships but like I kind of just do my own. I like to do what I want to do. <laughs> I don't like anybody like I'm maybe not the best partner <laughs> because I like to do things how I want to do them. Um, so, de- you know, being married and going on tour was hard. Um, and I'm trying to think when I met Bill, I was playing. I met him and then I played Bottle Rock in Napa and then I think I took some time off. So I wasn't really touring. 
or maybe I was on Cedar and Gold. I can't remember. But no, I did do a bunch of touring. And Bill is very like, you know, he's never dated a musician and we never dated each other. So, you know, figuring out all of those things that you need to do when you're dating someone, like how people work and their expectations and the way they're seeing the relationship and everyone's experience is different. So just going on tour and someone just being like, where are you? And like, who are you with? And like, that's when he's not on tour. Like you're on tour and you're dating Bill in a relationship. Yeah. And he's like, and I'm like, I'm wasted. And he's like, who are you with? I'm like, I don't know the boys. And he's like, well, I don't know these boys. Like, I don't know your band. Right. Like, I can't even imagine because I'm sure for like dating me on tour. I know. Dating anybody. <laughs> no, but like dating you know, anyone. On I tour? have lived in the tour like that world. Yeah, your since I was in, so I understand what that life is really like. And your partner is, is also that, that you have been on tour with. So they're in their same. Yeah, they get it. But that's so that's I'm saying, like, I understand that. But I'm I'm sure all of the things for a girl to think about her boyfriend that's on tour and then a guy for like, I think that's even more leveled of like, oh, my girlfriend who is um, who's a musician on tour, who's also like the person, like the lead person. Yeah. And she's on tour with a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm sure that creates all sorts of look. Yeah, because I think in the past I would just break up with anyone I was dating before <laughs> I went on tour. And I'd be like, oh, I'm going on tour. Like, this isn't going to work. Bye. <laughs> um, and yeah, with Bill, like, that was just a whole, that was a whole new experience. And so that was like some growing pains there. And then, and then we got married and then he came on tour with me. And that was like, I had never had anyone come on tour with me that I was dating. Right. I had been dating people on the tour. Right. <laughs> but never had like a boyfriend or a sp- anybody come with me. And that was just uh, that I did not like that. To be honest, I did not. That w- did not work for me. And I remember like repeatedly saying like, I don't come to your work meetings like with you. Like, this is weird. Like, I couldn't focus. You know, I constantly was feeling like I was being pulled between being present and being on tour and with my band and having that connection and maintaining that energy and our flow. And then also having to like, are you okay? Like check in with my like husband and like, yeah. And no, so I've seen that in other things where like I'm on tour with an artist and the girlfriend on tour and they kind of feel like misplaced because sure the person that loves them, they're out there and they want that person wants them there. But at the same time, it's like, it is a job and you're there's so asking, much that goes into it. And like your days are like, oh, then you might have an whatever. It's like sometimes it's like the full, full, full day because your interview this, that, whatever. Then you need your time to do this and, and that. And then whatever. you get a day off and your person's like, oh, wants to go see the city. day off. And you're like, I'm fucking tired. Yeah. Like what? It sounds like let's go on tour. This will be so fun. We'll see the cool. And of course, it's fun. Like, it's fun for the person that isn't on tour because they don't know. And they're like, what? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. At first it is, but then it is kind of awkward because like their significant other is there with a lot of responsibilities and has to like show up and work and putting a lot of energy out. And then you're just sort of like there. I can just a lot of times saw people like I don't like, okay, I want it here, but I don't. I feel kind of lost and like just trying to like make their like. And I think Bill felt a lot of that, like not like, oh, she does not want me here. Like she's being really cold right now. Like she's being real bitchy right now and i probably was because i was like yeah i'm fucking annoyed you're here like i want you to go home like can you go home did you say that i think i did yeah i was like you need to go home like i can't focus and you're driving me crazy and now i'm just annoyed i don't even want to like i felt like i couldn't get away you're like on a bus with someone and then you're like in the venue and then you're in the hotel and you can't get away like so that was for sure hard a hard 
time for us. Um, and I think now he 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 would look back and be like, I get why you were. Yeah. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have been so needy. Like I probably should have just let you do your thing. But whatever. That's that was the experience. And it was fine. We're probably better for it now. But you guys, um, you know, like you chose to go your separate ways. And like, what was that? How has that been? Because I know you guys have done a ton of work and you are like very much still in each other's lives and Kylo's lives and what feels like the like the most amazing way to go. Yeah. We, to divorce and still be in each other's lives. But I'm sure that that's been a lot. Yeah. I mean, our courtship was really fast. It was like we met and then within eight months we were engaged and then less than a year we were married. And then literally a year to our wedding day, Kylo was born. And then, oh, that's right. And it was a lot. I mean, we got married, then we went on our honeymoon, then I came home to LA, made a record, made Back to Home EP, then went on tour for six weeks with Eric Hutchinson, came home, found out I was pregnant. Um, and then, I mean, it was a whirlwind. And I think, uh, like, we both were just kind of swirling in the ethers and I think like grabbed onto each other and like tried to figure it out. And I think we brought up a lot of insecurities in each other and a lot of like woundings and things. And we went to a lot. I mean, we were in therapy our entire relationship, um, which was great and also really fucking annoying at times. Cause I'd just be like, I don't fucking want to talk about, I don't want to cry today. Like, you know, um, and we did a lot of therapy. You know, I tend, I'm reading a lot about like attached behavior right now, attachment. I'm reading a book called, it's called Attached. Um, and I, in our relationship, a Bill was a anxious, um, anxious attachment. And I was, an, I became avoidant. So it's like you have one person pushing away and the other person trying to pursue. And it's just no one ever can get on the same page. You can't calm the anxious person and then the anxious person tries to grasp for connection and then the avoidant person as the other person grasps is like no like I don't I'm trying to now I just want to get away from you and like it can create a really like destructive um pattern hard pattern to get out of um but we did a lot of therapy we we met an amazing therapist through Katie Brower actually um who specializes in imago therapy what is that? Uh, Margo therapy was created by Harville Hendricks. And his theory is that you choose your partner based on um, your wounding. And mm. that person triggers your wounding. And you are supposed to heal your woundings with that person. Like you are, you choose your partner because they are, bring up all the shit in you. And then that is like your person to work on the stuff. And is that then in that m- meaning like you're supposed to stay with them? Yeah. So then, so if that person's trained in that, then then were they like constantly? Well, I'm assuming anybody that's a couples therapist or counselors generally is wanting the couple to stay together. Like our therapist would be like, "Yeah, you guys have chosen each other for a reason to heal your woundings, and if you bail ship, you're just gonna the next person same problem. And if you think about it, you've been having the same issue in every relationship. It never goes away. It doesn't matter what they do." The problem will always arise in maybe a different form or a different situation, but it's always going to keep coming up until you handle it. So you guys have chosen each other to heal your childhood woundings. And yeah, it's not going to be easy. And 
I think we healed a lot of stuff. We healed a lot of stuff. And I, and I think back over the last five, six years and I'm like, wow, we're, we're, we are way different people than we were when we first met. We are, my community, our communication is better. My personal communication is better. I learned more about myself through that whole process than maybe any process in my entire life. Um, we're better parents to Kylo because of all of that therapy and work. And we, we did a lot of therapy. Like we were going to therapy like twice a week. We went to like, um, workshops and, um, camps. And I mean, we like, we did so much and I just was like, I can't be, there was something in my heart that was like, this is a great person, but like, I cannot be in this relationship. This person is going to drive me into yeah. like it my I want to live a very like um you know I it's interesting to talk about because there is a part of me that sometimes thinks like maybe you did throw in the towel like you know like you didn't fight for it but like I really do feel like I did fight for it as much as I could but there is of course a part of me that judges myself that says like you gave up right and that's hard and I can see especially with the implication that your therapist is telling you that then you're going to carry this story of, yes, I weeded all this work, but I didn't do enough. And so I'm still supposed to be. But what I feel like you guys, even though you got a divorce, you did, you are still in each other's life. So in many ways, it's like you chose this person to heal your wounds. You guys went to work to heal the wounds and there might still be some healing to do, but you also didn't abandon each other or you're not like isolating from each other. You didn't like put the wall up like we're done. I give up. No, you're wrong. You're not my person. Like you still actually very much are each other's persons. Cause from yes. what I talked, when I talked to you, it seems like you're like talking to each other about big shit that re- wife husbands would be having that yeah. you're having intimate conversations, like intimate conversations, meaning like, it's not sexual conversations, intimate, like you're really opening up and that you are able to like, it's like we're having each other. Yeah. We're having basically a relationship without the sexual part of it. Yeah. But very much all the rest of it still. And that's a lot for people to wrap their heads around. I know I've had some friends that are like, I don't get it. Like you guys are so weird. You guys are like, so you you feel like you've had, some like judgment or questioning on like your relationship's too good well like there's something wrong with that no I guess what I'm trying to say is like we Bill and I have very much like it's funny because I think he'll always say like our vows are still true like till death do us part like in sickness and in health like just because we're not in this marriage like the, yeah we signed which is like contract. funny because when we got divorced he was like this is fucking ridiculous and this is fucking expensive. Like, this is ridiculous how fucking expensive this is also. And like, we're basically just paying lawyers to take the state of California out of our relationship. And Uh. like, then we started, you know, he would like look at it like that and be like, because we still have a relationship and we still have a child and we still are choose. you know, I will say Bill and I have chosen the relationship that we have now and it would not, not work if we both didn't choose it to be this way and we chose it very consciously, I would say maybe going into our relationship, we weren't choosing shit consciously. <laughs> we were like, that was a fucking whirlwind. Like, yeah. but now everything is very conscious. And because of all the therapy we did and all the work we did, and I was always like, 
I would say for me, after all the work that we did, you know, and I'm being very candid with you because you are my dear friend, but I haven't really talked about this to anybody or let, let alone for a public hearing. But um, there was just a piece of me in my heart that knew, like, while I really love this person, this is, I, I can't, I can't be in this relationship. Like, I just know in my heart. I cannot be in this relationship and it has served the amount of time it was supposed to serve. And we were for surely meant to have Kylo and I love this person, but like there are things that I realized that I need in a relationship that I was not getting like a, a calm, like just an almost an energy wise, like, you know, I love Bill, but his brain is real wild and smart and he's just like, and I'm spazzy, but I, aspire to just be calm and chill and I just want to surf. I want to live a really simple life. There was too much high frequency and up and down uh in our relationship for me to it just like was not feeling it was feeling like unhealthy to me. Like his energy. I knew I needed to leave. We did all this work. I still in my heart in my in like listening to my intuition was like I have to go. I don't know why, but I know that I cannot be in this relationship and I know there's going to be some pretty gnarly repercussions and this is going to be messy and this is going to be shitty but like I have to follow my heart in this case yeah like because I just know yeah that it's not right and that was really scary um but I knew that I had to follow it because I knew if I didn't like I wasn't going to be happy and yeah, yeah, so all those things play into it. Like, how am I going to live moving forward? Like, what am I going to do? Like, how do I, you know, will I ever find somebody else? Like, now I have a kid. Now I'm a single mom. Like, I've give, I've stopped my music career. Like, now I got to get back to that. Like, is this person going to hate me? Are they going to, like, abandon me? Like, so many things go through your head that you get afraid of. But I just knew there was, like, something in me that was, like, oh, this is going to be so fucking messy and you're about to like fuck mm. up so much shit right now. But like you you have to walk through the fire. And I did. And it's like I always kept the intention in my mind of like, like I do love this person. I don't want to hurt them. Like I I like held our relationship in a light that was like, we will be able to transform this into an amazing relationship, even though it wasn't, isn't the one we thought we signed up for. And I just held that as like a vision and a, and in like hippie as it sounds, like in golden light, like just like <laughs> it's gonna be okay and this is the right decision and and it's all gonna be okay. And and I like literally like was like I crossed my fingers and was like just jumped off a cliff and was like, Fuck, I don't even know what's about to happen right now, but like I'm just gonna like fucking pray for the best. And it's like we have a better relationship now than we ever did married and everything has been all right yeah like yeah like yeah i got upset he got real upset like we worked through a lot of shit and and i think that we like i think we were talking the other day and i was like for us to get to where we are now like we like that we wouldn't be here now without going through all that shit as yeah. weird as it sounds no totally like and i get to have my best friend and a great person in my life and i also get to live my truth 
and yeah. live in my heart because I grew up with parents who I love them. I'm not sure I would say they're happily married. Yeah. Um, And I remember having this thought of like, I don't want to be like grow old with a roommate. I don't want to repeat my parents' relationship. Yeah. And I grew up in a household where I we weren't really told there was not a lot of affection. There was not a lot of closeness. There wasn't a lot of same. Um, like my parents just worked all the time and I, and you know, they were trying to provide for us and have yep. provide us with this upbringing and give us all the things that we wanted. And, but like, there just wasn't a lot of like affection and um, verbal, like, like love flowing. And I never really have, I never was really the same. And yeah. In and I family. never grew up seeing them like, hugging each other or kissing each other or being nice to each other. And then I would see myself showing up in my marriage like that, being kind of mean and cold. Bill grew up in a family where his parents, his, his dad passed away, but you know, he grew up with one of eight brothers and sisters. Always saw his parents being affectionate. Always saw them working as a team. So through all the therapy, it was like, Oh, I, I have the example of relationship that I have. And he has this example that he has. And like those two examples are very different. So yeah. It's like trying to merge those, you have those expectations you're not even aware of. And, but yeah, for me, I just was like, I don't, I, uh, I like, p- I pick this and I think there's a reason why I picked this relationship. And, and I think it, and it really has like, we are still committed to helping each other heal, even though we're not in a, yeah. in a partnership in that romantic sense, like as a husband, wife or boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever. Um, but we are still very much committed to showing up for each other. And that was just something we decided is like, we're not in a marriage anymore, but we can still show up for each other. Like I can show up for you. Like I do for my good friends. And I think, that's and that's so fucking beautiful. weird and not normal, but that's what we're going to create and that we're committed to. And that's what like benefits are. But I kid. think let's stop labeling that. Let you right. so, why, stop saying that that's weird and not normal. It, doesn't need to be we're because of what we've all been taught of like parents get divorced everything's separate they like pass the kids off maybe they'll be at a big event together and if they're civil together that's nice or whatever but it's like like yeah like I don't think it's weird or not normal at all I think it's beautiful and amazing and ideal yeah I mean I think we both just were like look at the current the current like divorcee norm doesn't work for us we're gonna just do it our way and we have made it our own way and and but it's like going back to that thing we were talking about before of sometimes it's like oh well you have you got married and now we're divorced so now it's gonna be like this and it's like no you can actually like create whatever reality you want you can create whatever relationship you want you can you know, I know people who have parents that like live in separate houses. They're still married and they're perfectly have that and that works for them. And that's epic. Like you like I'm just all about like being in a real relationship now that I am like can 100 percent show up for that. I can be fully invested in and know in my heart I'm making like a conscious choice to show up there and be there and be a part of that and not where I think maybe in the past it's like grasping for like does this person love me? Like maybe this person will love me maybe like, and yeah, there's was a lot of things leading up to like, you know, I had been engaged as we know and, um, an unengaged to and coming out of that relationship and then meeting Bill who was just all about me was like, like somebody like 
kicking you to the curb and then someone else being like, you're a fucking diamond gem. I want to like give you the world. Like, well, no shit. I was like, you know, it's all timing and all where you're at in your life, why things resonate or don't. And, you know, it felt really nice to be the center of someone's attention, like universe and be just adored and cherished because I wasn't getting that in my last relationship. So then it was like extra, um, uh, like the it was like night and day, so of course it felt amazing and good to me because there was not a balance of that in my previous relationship. Um, I mean I don't know I could go on and on, but well, there's so but much I, to talk about. Did, but yeah, uh, bring it back to when you're labeling it like weird and not normal. Do you think that those labels come up because were is that feedback you were getting from other people, and that did that like? You going through a divorce is very personal and how you guys are doing it, but other people are a part of your life. And like, did you ever have to struggle with what felt best to you and feedback you were getting from other people, whether it's family, friends, whatever. People like, you should do this. You have to know. We have to stay longer. You have to stay in the marriage. You have to, your therapist, maybe. Nope. You're chosen. You have to be together. Like, friends of like trying to dive through the feedback of what everybody else think is best for you in your life. Well, like our therapist would say like, oh, you know, we all get dinged as kids and you and and you can't prevent that from happening like you said yeah. some something will happen and you're you will run with it it will be with you your whole life you know it could be simple as like i i think someone gave the example in therapy at some point of like they got dropped off at school and their mom was like in a rush to leave and so then they had the, all of a sudden they have got a fear of abandonment their whole life whereas as you can see you can imagine being a mom being like okay it's time to go to school come on it's like she's not, got some appointment or like something and she's just like, what up? come on, yeah, go, go, stop asking me questions. You would get to never like, think in your mind, like you would think like, oh, I accidentally s- s- hit my kid. That's going to leave a mark. You would never, you obviously, you would never think like, oh, I'm in a rush. I got to go get to school, Sonny. Like, adios. Like, you'd never think that's going to create that kind of ding that they'll carry through their life. So, um, so where, why would I bring that up? Um. Well, I asked if you yeah, have other feedback from other people and like inclu- including your therapist about the relationship. Oh, yeah. So so I would you say said there would be a ding in your childhood. Yeah. She was saying there's there's all there's always going to be there's going to be dings that happen that you cannot do anything about. They just they will just happen. And no matter how much you try to protect your kid. And I said, like, is it like 100 percent like Kylo's going to be like fucked up from this divorce? And she was like, yes. <laughs> and I in my mind, I was like. But she wasn't like, yes, but he'll be fucked up no matter if you stay together or not, because he'll always well, get a ding. So she was basically telling you, yep, if you get divorced. Yeah. She was like, yeah, your no, kid's divorce, fucked. divorce kids. Yeah. Are absolutely going to be. Yeah. He'll this will have a negative effect on him. And in my mind, I was thinking, one, I don't know if I agree with that, because two, I feel like I can create another I can create something. Yeah. And if we are very conscious about it, we can try our you know we can I, I was just like i don't agree with that and then and then i started thinking like well my parents like would fucking argue and hate each other growing up and i would literally say to them when i got to be like 15 like can you guys just fucking get divorced Same. already because I begged for my parents to get divorced because my you guys life. suck and you're driving me fucking crazy like get on with it already you know and they were oh we can't it's like our stuff's too intertwined it's too met whatever every excuse in the book and i'd be like so how is that any better? Exactly. Like, that's what immediately what I thought. Like, sure. Yeah, yeah that's going to fuck them up. But so is two people that are miserable and like yelling at each other and not in a good relationship. I begged my parents to get divorced. Right. When they finally got divorced when I was graduating college and my mom called to tell me, I laughed. Because I was like, 
now now you're getting <laughs> right and it's like and but you know to be fair I, mean, like, I was so, happy they did end up getting divorced and finally like so i think there's happy. like there's like one side of that of being like oh my god get can you get on with it and then there's the other side of it is of a kid actually thinking the divorce is their fault and being really right. like wounded by that you know there's definitely i think there's can be two reactions to that situation but i think in my mind i was like i know like I put myself in Kylo's shoes and thought, would I rather my parents, like, say my parents got divorced, would I rather see them together and miserable or would I rather see them divorced and happy? Well, I wouldn't rather see them. What I would not like is if my parents got divorced and then they just fucking resented each other, talk shit about each other, try to drag me right. into it and use me as the pawn and like as you see some people do they like make yeah. they like use their kid against each other like i fuck that that's in telling their kid negative things about your parents and whatever yeah, trying I'm to turn like, one I against the other i don't like that but at the same time oh if they're married and talking shit about each other how is that any better and so i just thought like we can do this in a way that is like as healthy as possible given the situation and Bill and I were, you know, Bill was on board for that as well. And it was like, it almost made the split easier because we were like, we, A, we had done so much work that we didn't, there was no, uh, like by the time we split, we had done so much work that there was no like, I'm blaming you for this. And you did that. It's it like was everything like, was on the table. Like everything was on the table and everything was like worked out for the most part of like, oh, I do like, oh, when you do that, it triggers this thing from my childhood. And like, I know that when you do that, it's actually not, you're not trying to maliciously hurt me. It's like from this wounding you have. So I have a lot of compassion for that. And then like, when you do this thing, it makes me feel this way. And then Bill will be like, I can see why you would feel that way based on this other thing that happened to you in a past relationship. And I have compassion for you. So we like exited our relationship with a lot of like love and compassion and understanding for each other. And also with the intention of we're going to put our shit aside and do what's best for kylo and that is our main goal and that we can work on together and so now our relationship really is about like we're still very much a family even though we're not together we're both dating other people um and but we he is what is our in our best interest and we just focus on that and by by just focusing on what is best for him and making sure he has he knows that he's loved has two parents that that love him and, and while they're not together like they still have a great relationship and he'll grow up I'm crying. and he'll grow up seeing that and hopefully won't get dinged too much because he will know that like, you know, and he, we were so young when he, when we split, we were, he was like three. So I don't know what he'll remember, you know, but I do know that every time we're all together, it's yeah, he very likely won't remember you guys ever living in the same house. I don't, yeah, I don't think he'll remember us living in the same house and i would like to think that he always knows like we aim to always give him the experience not because even we're it's phony but because it is that we're genuine like we've that we're always nice to each other that we're always kind to each other that we're always looking out for each other's best interest and and his best interest and that you know we're that while we are not that while our relationship didn't continue i feel like he'll always know he'll always grow up knowing like huh my parents 
or aren't together, but God, they're so kind to each other. They're so nice to each other. They always talk kindly and nicely about each other. They're always looking out for me. I'm loved. I'm good, you know? And sure, there's going to be some things that ding him probably in there I, or some think, shit that course, comes up. Like, but, but, like, but that would happen whether you stayed together, whether his dad was someone else, his mom was someone else, like whatever. I think that, yeah, it's like, yeah, we're all going to get ding somehow. And it's not usually intentional. Right. <laughs> so that was a crazy chapter. Uh, but I do feel like we really... I'm really proud of how we handled it and how we navigated it. And we are really good friends. Of course, that definitely makes it harder for. So you were asking, do I feel judged by other people? I would say it's, it's much harder to explain to a new partner because they're very much like you guys are so cool and chill and still are very intimate on a friendship level, but you're not together. Like, but you know, it's like, I think it's harder maybe for a new person coming in. Yeah. To understand the dynamic. But I always said to Bill, like, you know, it's going to take a real secure person to come into this scenario and understand it and respect it and not get threatened by it. But of course, that's also going to happen. But that's like also the shit. That's just like yeah. the reality of the situation, like I making mean, a decision like that. Like, I feel like there, of course, it might be confusing just because, again, like they don't know other couples like that. But in my mind, it would only make the person respect everyone involved even more because i don't think i would ever like question like oh is this like do i not matter then or are they gonna end up back together because it's very obvious like no they live in separate houses they went through a divorce like you know like like you know so it's like not that sort of but i guess i don't know like i would i think it would just be like oh even better well i know like bill sometimes would like like we would have these talks of like oh well what if somebody thinks it's like weird we're friends or like you know what if someone like whatever what if if, what if what if what if and it's like well the right person then that's the wrong person yeah because the right person is gonna get it and they're gonna fit nicely and like my goal is like we're all on family vacations together me with my new partner bill with his new partner and kylo and if anyone has more kids or whatever like and we're all just everyone can be like grown-ups and adults and act as their adult person not their child person and that we can all like harmoniously coexist. And that is my goal. And what about like, have you felt like you've received any judgment or questioning from like other people that have been through divorces? Cause I, sometimes I feel like people can be triggered and like, they might judge others because they feel like they're being judged. Whereas like, I wonder if there's anybody in your life that, is in a divorce and does hasn't handled it that way. And so then can make up, oh, there's Tristan. She thinks she's so great with her great relationship. So she must think that I'm terrible or like, I don't know if that would happen, but I think that that's what happens, you know, yeah. in life that so often we feel like we judge others because we feel like they must be judging us because right. we're doing things differently. I have to say, I haven't experienced any of that. I have good. had some other friends get divorced and and some go good and some not go great. And luckily, everyone's adult enough to be like, yeah, that's your situation. And that's awesome. And this is mine. And like, yeah, it's fucking exactly. sucks. I will. You know, there's there was a couple comments like uh, from like uh, on social media, you know, like, oh, I really wish you guys didn't get divorced. And it's like. Well, that's nice of you to say that, but like you also weren't in the relationship and you didn't know what was the best decision. Yeah. Like it's sweet that you say that, but also I'm pretty sure I know 
the right thing yeah. to do. Um, but no, and I would never judge anybody because... Because yeah, I'm saying because, I don't see that, but I think that that's just something in common that happens in yeah, ourselves that we totally. can sort of look at somebody else. And instead of being like, oh, well, that's an interesting way they did it, that, that it can automatically look like they do it like that. So then I must be wrong. So they must think they're better than me, like that our minds do these right. crazy tricks. Well, and so I really wanted to I think for me, I really did want to talk about it and and share it with people because I want people to know that it's possible yeah. to do it this way. Like it doesn't. Like it doesn't have to be angry and um and and a disaster. Like sure, it's gonna be painful and it's gonna be hard. But like, I wanted people to know like this is an option. Like you can't like as stupid as like people think like oh the conscious uncoupling like Gwyneth Paltrow like like it is possible. Like yeah. if you want it to be possible, like you can have that kind of divorce and it is possible and. It doesn't have to be angry and people hating each other and and this yeah. like sore subject in your life. Like it can you you can do it in a great way, you know, with a little help with a, with like help from a therapist or like, you know, and it's a great opportunity to like heal your shit, too. Um, yeah. So it's not just even like go see a therapist with the idea that you're going to be convinced to stay with the person but well, like be yeah. able to heal yourselves and be able to ha still be in some sort of relationship so, with so that this partner. was a cool thing about our therapist is like we were going to therapy to try to like save our marriage and then once once it was like no like we've done a lot and i think the best thing is to split then it was like all right now we're going to work on how to like um exit this relationship in a healthy manner which was a whole other process in itself of letting go of like expectations what could have been things for the future that we wished on um and like a, a so that was super helpful um way to do it and and the other thing i was going to say is have i experienced anything from other people that have gotten divorced um in that whole aspect which which is it really does take both people to want to consciously you're still in relationship yeah like and when you have a kid you're always in relationship yeah so it does really take both parties to be need, willing need to, to basically need to want to sign up to do it this way and the friends that i have had who've gone through messy and angry and bitter divorces they might have wanted to and the other person doesn't want to yeah. and in that case that sucks like yeah. that that's a bummer, you know, and then you're trying to navigate it the best way you can. So I do feel very grateful that I had someone who was willing to want to go through it this way and try it this other way and was on board and doing it in like the like kindest, cleanest, nicest way possible. Um, and Bill's an amazing person. He's an amazing human. Like no doubt about it. Yeah. So. I miss you, Bill. <laughs> You're listening to like <laughs> Bill's awesome. And like, and there's, yeah, there are for surely people that are like, well, how can you say that he's like so awesome and you love him, but you're not like with him? And it's like, I, I don't know. There's just some things that you can't, I don't know. That doesn't feel odd to me at all. Well, there's it's just like, I have. I love in my life. Well, <laughs> yeah, there's like tons of ex-boyfriends that I, you know, not tons, but <laughs> there's like, ex I mean, I love, I've always maintained um, for the most part, great relationships with people I've dated and you choose to spend time with someone and be so intimate and, and get on a really intimate level 
when you're in those kinds of relationships with like a romantic partner, uh, it seems more odd to me that you why you would then turn them the enemy because you chose them in the beginning because you yeah. thought they were awesome and great for you. I'm the same way that even if it's like even if there was something that was like obviously it didn't work out, but even if there was something about them like, no, I can't deal with that, then it's still there's quality about them that I love and I cared yeah. about and that they were there for me at some points and this totally. and that. So it's like always having love for that person. Yeah. I've had a couple guys ghost me that I've dated since getting divorced and I fucking hate those people more than anybody else in my life. <laughs> like I can't stand a ghoster. Ghosting is so, un- I don't get it. That to um, me just feels like that it's their own shit. I mean, that would be the same oh, yeah. thing that, like I said, if instead of me speaking up to the story I'm making up about you, if I just like then, never mind, Tristan's not my friend anymore. Like, yeah. then that's my shit that I'm just like working on, like that I'm like living into a terrible story and not facing it. Like, <laughs> let me just put up this wall because I don't want to yeah. deal with what could be behind it. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I generally feel like I pick good humans to have in my life. And and so I feel like there's I I definitely like appreciate my time with everybody. And, and I don't want I want like all the love around me and great people. And just because a relationship didn't work out or a thing a project that I started working on with someone like didn't work out. Like it doesn't mean anybody's a bad person unless you are acting like a dick and you do do something lame, but generally no one's doing anything lame. Like, um, like there's, yeah, it doesn't have to be so black and white. And so like, Oh, you're in one minute and now you're out. Like it can be like every, we can all like coexist together. Like there's room for everybody. Yep. And so again, I think the more, we're aware of our own shit and talking about than it for me makes me have more compassion to other people like I might not want to be that person's best friend or I don't want them in my life but instead of feeling like hurt by it or something just like "Mm, they got yep they got their own shit that they may or may not be aware of that is keeping making them show up act treat me treat others that way and I can't fix it I'm not going to be able to tell job. them. And it's not. And that's the other thing our therapist would say is like, it's not your job to make each other happy. Like you have to be happy in your own selves and then come together. It is not your responsibility. What a heavy weight that we can put on people. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so but it's all good now. So I'm very happy about that. And um, dating a very lovely person who's very good at communication. So that's fun. And um, Bill's dating and. That's great. And everybody's <laughs> harmonious. <laughs> All right. I'm going to now go into what is something you do to raise your joy levels? Oh, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be like usually. F- usually for me, it's some sort of uh, exercise. Yeah. Um, And getting out in nature. Like if I'm just inside working all day or I'm just in a fun- like I was in a funk two days ago. And I was like, I got to get outside and go for a walk. And um, and I did. I went for like a hour and a half walk just by the beach, put a podcast in. And I felt so much better. Usually it's like moving my body yeah. and just getting out, like change of scenery. Yep. Those Surfing, are big ones for me too. Hiking, rock climbing. Yeah. Um. All right. This phrase that I am now constantly thinking about for myself, I like to ask everybody how to apply it to their own life is what is easiest for you is not always what is best for you. Can you see a way that might be showing up in your life right now of like, oh, well, this is what's easiest for me, but this is what's best for me. Uh, 
Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like yes, obviously. But um, I mean, I feel like I keep coming back to like just speaking your truth is sometimes not easy. Yeah. Or just knowing when something is not right and not. And so what's easiest would be what? To, to like just ignore like, it, go along with. Yeah, be like, and- okay, like that doesn't bother me. Like, or um, easiest to, well, it's easy to stay small and not grow. Um, easy to just let things slide and not speak up. Mm-hmm. Um, easy to just write a bunch of songs and never put them out for fear that they are Ooh. not going to be as great as the last batch and <laughs> realizing like, just put them out. Who cares? <laughs> um, it's really like, it's a lot. I mean, there's all sorts of things like, I feel like that come up in my life where it's like, Oh, it would be just so easy just to stay small and just ignore it. Ah! But then it like eats at you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not good at that. I, I have to like say something. Yep. I usually say too much and put my <laughs> foot in my mouth. <laughs> um oh, keychains. So you already do have some keychains of mine, but I still yes. brought them because I like to be let ask right now in this moment which of the phrases you feel like you most want as a reminder in your life. Okay. Well, I have I am magic and then I have so fucking grateful. Fucking love. You know what's interesting is I thought I was gravitating gravitating towards I am a badass and I am here now, but now I'm like, fuck the shoulds, do the wants. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to choose the I am here now because you even mentioned that like in rock clamming or something earlier. I do like that one, but... Um, Why do you think you're being called to fuck the shoulds, do the wants now? Because of what you of were just the, talking. Like all the conversation <laughs> we're having about like what you should be doing and how you should be acting and being attached to like this version of yourself and like you should just do what you want like yeah because life is short you're never gonna look back and regret doing anything for yourself no but you might regret being like god why did i go down that path of thinking i should have done that because or it's I just like wasted what- energy like oh, i'm doing all these things because i think i'm pleasing people or living up to this idea of who i am or what i want it's just like wasted energy do what you want yeah okay i'm going with fuck the shoulds and do the wants for that right there awesome okay and the final question is the name of the podcast is claim it meaning that i believe it's up to us that nobody can give us joy give us like you said happiness you can't put that on somebody else value worth enoughness we're looking for validation outside all the time but really we can't feel it unless we claim it for ourselves what are you claiming for yourself right now? I feel like a game show. Like, and what, Tristan? Ooh, what's behind the door? What um, are you claiming for yourself? I want to say the happiness. Yeah. Happiness. All right. And that I'm allowed to be happy. Yes. You are. Yeah. Everybody benefits. When mommy's happy, everyone's happy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the truth we can like be like oh i don't have enough time to this i don't have time to this i don't have time to this because like even if it's for my better goodness and we act like oh it's just for me but 
when you take better care of yourself, when you do the things that make you happy, then it affects everyone in your life. So it's always like there was the other morning. I think um, I had a bunch of people coming to record here, do like a writing session. And I was like, oh, I can either I could either sleep another hour or I could like get up and do the Peloton. And then I thought of you, how you're like up at the crack of dawn doing your yoga. And I'm like, Trisha would be up getting herself Karen. (laughs) So I am going to get up and I am going to ride that Peloton with Cody Rigsby for 45 (laughs) minutes. And I'm going to get my life together. And and I was on, I tell you what, like that was me taking care of myself and knowing like if I get on that bike and ride for 45 minutes and sweat, I'm going to feel uh more focused i'm not gonna be like oh i missed my workout like why didn't i move i'm gonna not feel stagnant i'm gonna feel happier i'm gonna have endorphins i'm gonna like like i will be better for waking up early and getting that workout in before sitting in a room all day or like you know and it's true i worked out and i felt fucking awesome and awake and that and probably benefited you, but also everybody else that it benefited was here. The writing session because I wasn't, you know, you know, if you've ever like you're doing something and you're like, oh, I really want to work out, but like I don't have a window and uh, 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 and I want to be doing this, and like you don't, you're never truly where you are because you're thinking about this other thing you want to be doing. So, yeah, I was able to show up present for the writing session and be creative and not not be making myself guilty that I how am I going to get that workout in? Like, cause that's for me, I'm like working out. Exercising is like my saving grace. No, it's the same for me. And I have those moments too, where like, it's no longer like I need to exercise so that I look a certain way. It's like such mental, like, mental and energy thing. Absolutely. And my whole body like releases so many things in my body and my mind. And so I will be like, yeah, like, oh, it's like, yeah, like, okay, I know that tomorrow this is happening and so there's not going to be extra like what am I, like yeah it can sometimes be like okay so maybe you wake up yeah. earlier sometime you do this instead or like but yeah it's interesting how like <laughs> yeah so for sure like yeah that's how i happy that, I did that so thank you for inspiring me you're I'm welcome because like, i'm always like looking at that i'm like god she's been up for like five hours already <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but that's also my kids wake up early I so that Mine makes sleeps me till, like, three if early. i would have let him <laughs> yeah Kylo sleeps later. So, but yeah, you could still wake up before Kylo, but like my kids wake up at like 6 30. So now let, I mean, exactly. I need to wake up time. at 5 30. <laughs> Little devils. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it does. And sometimes I choose to stay in bed and then I'm like, oh, yep. The, uh, the better choice would have been to pull my ass out of bed because now I'm feeling like unfocused and like, well, you said stressed. that the other day, actually. Yeah, my you mom were... is in town right now. Well, and so I was. You didn't need to. I don't need to wake up early to She'll have my have me time. time. I'll have more time because my mom's around to help with the kids. But of course, my mom's still there. The kids still need me. I'm still like distracted by these things, whatever. I was like thinking I'd do yoga in the morning while she's there and helping with the kids. Yeah. And I wasn't. I was too distracted, whatever. Then it got to my like work time and I couldn't focus on anything because I was like. I was just like, oh, I have so many to do. Blah, blah, blah. So I was like, fuck, I have to like stop right now and go do like five minutes yeah. to try to focus myself. And it He's way about Kike. What? He's way about Kike. Our good friend Adam Sherritt has that tattooed oh. on his arm. It means make it happen. Make it happen. Yeah. But that's, yeah. Like. Made it happen. I knew that I needed to stop and do that or else I was just wasting time anyway. <laughs> and you did it. All right. Whoa, we covered a lot of things. Yeah. I might have overshared, but that's what I do, <laughs> I guess. I don't think 
I mean, yeah, I'm not, obviously I can't say cause I'm not you, but I'm like, I, I'm into just sharing my truth for yeah. others to have a alternate way to think about things or know that if they're doing that thinking it's weird. It's well, not. and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there going through different relationships and questioning their relationships. And there's a lot of fear around leaving a relationship, ending a relationship, shame, so many feelings about relationships not working out. So I think it's I'm, relationships, jobs working out, careers not working out like we're all we all go. I mean, maybe that's the important thing to remember is like it's not abnormal to have all of those fears and doubts and things swirling in life, mini life crises of like, we're all, it's, we're all happening. Even if you're walking around looking like everything's together or someone's social media looks like it's all they together. Best like outfits, living a beautiful home. You just, we're all going we all through it. Human <laughs> things and these pings from our childhoods. Pings and dings. <laughs> it's true. And we're all in Making it together. Making up crazy stories and, that's what I will say uh, last thing is I love that about my fans is I feel like I've really gotten to be able to have like a very personal relationship with a lot of them. And like I get like DMs all the time about like, oh, someone's life story. They're like wanting to leave their partner. What should they do? And I'm like, you're asking me. Um, but I love that because I learn so much about people and that's how we learn. Well, those people are probably opening up to you because you have opened your up up. Well, then it makes me want to open up more, sometimes maybe a little Human too connection. more, but it's great. Yes. And that's yeah. what lets us know we're not separate and we're all connected. Yep. You're not alone. Whoever you are, whatever your story is, you are not alone. Nope. You can call us anytime. We send should have a one eight hundred line. DM. Yeah, <laughs> maybe this will be a new. We part should have of a call in. All right, let's where we answer M- questions. Maybe Tristan and I will start Wait, a new. Can we do another uh, podcast where we have live callers yeah. and then we can answer? I'm actually questions. been thinking about adding a, something to my website of like ask her show that would be like you're gonna have a guest on them. What do you want to ask them? It wasn't. It was to be like for solo episodes where people could like ask me questions and I could just Ooh. talk about it, but we could do it together. <laughs> I love talking about stuff. <laughs> it might be more interesting. And I love That's ta- why I haven't done any solo yet. I have so much to share, but I'm like, I love that. I don't know. I think it feels more fun to have two people talking. So yeah, maybe, maybe we can pick mm. that up together. <laughs> I love it. I love always a like Dr. <laughs> Drew, like love line, but lifeline. Ask TNT. Ask. And then it could be TNT. You can be in charge. I got the theme song the theme down. Song. I still do don't have one for Claim It, so. Oh, I might have one for you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll catch you on the TNT show coming soon. Claiming it. I love her so much. To find out more about Tristan and follow her, she has her main account is at Tristan Prettyman on Instagram. And she also has at the Good Path SD is her more health coach, integrative nutritional account. You can also go to TristanPrettyman.com or the goodpathsd.com to find more about her. For more me, I am of course at yourdwellgist.com and at yourdwellgist on Instagram. Please make sure to follow this month's partner, Salt Co. That's with two A's and join them in spreading awareness for period poverty. Go follow our accounts, share some of their messages. Let's create real transformation so girls and women around the world are not dropping out of school because of their periods. (laughs) 
please subscribe and rate the show. I love hearing from you. And it does help the podcast to get more awareness and to get more listeners where hopefully more people are taking the nuggets and applying them to their own life. If you do leave a review, make sure to screenshot it and email it to me at podcast at Each week I pick somebody to send a box full of goodies for my product line. So send me your review and think about this episode. What things can you take into your own life? All right, and I'll leave you with the final thought of what for you right now, where is something you can see that what is easiest for me is might not be what is best for me.